at a time when the dinosaurs roamed a lush and fertile planet. A piece of rock just six miles wide changed all that. It hit with the force of 10,000 nuclear weapons. A trillion tons of dirt and rock hurtled into the atmosphere, creating a suffocating blanket of dust the sun was powerless to penetrate for a thousand years. It happened before, it will happen again. It's just a question of when. On this computer. You ready for the big game? We're recording the morning of the big game. Oh yeah, and I'm getting ready for I'm getting ready for the big time. <laughs> Cause yeah. Do you don't want to miss a thing when you, um, you know, when the, once the big game starts, you just don't want to miss a thing. I would say. You so some would say. Some would say. Uh, so I mean, someone, yeah. And how 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 would you live? How do I live? How do I live? I mean, that game definitely provides sweet emotions. Indeed, indeed. Hello and welcome to the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. Hey, it's me, Oscar Troy. JK, it's Patrick. I'm not Oscar Troy. Oscar. Oh, Oscar was here. Oscar. Oh, R.I.P. to a real one. <laughs> welcome to the Academy, and welcome yeah. to R.I.P. Some would say our big game. Yeah. I think. I think uh, we are we are returning to the Visionary Alliance, a Simpson Bruckheimer digression. And what we have here today are the first major post Don Simpson movies that Jerry Bruckheimer released, and frankly, uh, I think one of the big questions and themes. Did Jerry Bruckheimer ever need Don Simpson? And I think he did. And I'll explain why in a bit. But uh, we're, of course, talking about Con Air mm-hmm. from 1997 and Armageddon from 1998. Con Air, I was incorrect. So the deal is you must have a live premium subscription to Hulu to get Con Air. Because it's currently on like Fox FXM, which is only oh. part of the live premium subscription. Folks, who's paying eighty bucks a month for Hulu? Not this guy. No, Not that's crazy. Guy. Yeah. So I rented it from Amazon. I should own it. I've seen it a million times. I should own it. And then, of course, Armageddon remains on HBO Max. That's where I watched it. Did you watch oh, yeah. it in both of those forms, Patrick? I watched it on HBO Max, and like you, I paid. I shelled out that three ninety nine or two ninety nine for that Conair. That Conair sweet sweet rental. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're gonna be spoiling these extensively. I would yeah. say. I, I have like, to. I feel like 
yeah, if you if you've been you've had to have watched these movies, who's ever listened to this podcast, but on the off chance, yeah, watch them. They're a treat. I think the only way that they were missed is if you were born in like nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. And then you would have had no reason. We were talking about it with some people last night. I was like, watched Armageddon recently. Anyone has seen that recently? And everyone gave you looks like No. Yeah. <laughs> it is like it, it is one of those movies where I'm like, I guess like the 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 footprint of this film isn't as big as I remember it being. I feel well, like, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll get we'll into see. it. It uh, it was the biggest movie of 1998, which we'll talk about just a little bit here. That uh, rules. That's so, kind of. <laughs> yeah, we were was, just in a different place. <laughs> we were in a different world. <laughs> Better, worse, you decide. Yeah, uh, uh, definitely happier. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe not even happier. I don't know. Simpler. It was simpler. Simpler. You simpler that's of... the right term. Both what both of these movies have in common is a joyful glee in reveling in like low low culture, like tasteless, but tasteless to the point where it turns around and becomes brilliant movie making. Yeah, it, like, it's kind of all like the Marvel movies and all like the big hit movies have to like say something about society mm-hmm. these days. Like I think the goal of Armageddon was like, hey, can we like make a taxi explode upward and then do like a three sixty flip? <laughs> like yeah. that was the social relevance Michael Bay was hunting in the making of Armageddon, and uh, I just don't think uh, I think the studio notes would have been like much different if you pitch Armageddon or uh, Con Air today. I think Armageddon could get made today mm. in the general form of, like, these guys have to save the world. Yeah, I mean, I think they that, made a version of this already, like, Moonfall or whatever. Like, they had... Yeah, there's always, like, like, a disaster movie of this na- of this sort. Con Air is a diamond in the rough that um, could only have emerged in 1997, I-, I would say. Yeah, like, the last time, I feel like Maybe, like, the latest you could make a movie like Con Air is, like, when the last Hangover movie came out. The last Hangover movie kind of is, like, the end of an era of that, of, like, I don't know, of thinking of films not without that critical lens. For, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah like, I think, like, everybody, and it might be because everybody did become a critic because everyone got, like, a social media feed. Mm-hmm. But, like, back that like, we will also talk about the fact that both these movies were critically reviled movies that the audience like absolutely loved. Hugely but, so. Yeah, and like in the instant in the instant um culture we have now, it would be very interesting if like I think like people tried like it was like that movie Plane that came out a few weeks ago with Gerard Butler, I think is the closest thing that has been to this kind of place. Mm-hmm. And people kinda like ironically mocked it and the trailer and declared that enough and no one went and saw it. Yeah. And that might be the fate if you saw like the trailer to Con Air today. Would that would might be the fate of it. Like which is you know, I guess people have other things to do, but this is a breeze this would be a breezy Friday night if this I movie mean, came out in the theater today. And I think bucket bucket of corn and you're having a good time. Yeah. Like have a giant soda? Big old bucket yeah. of popcorn, maybe a dog, and enjoy yeah. yourself. Bring just your friends. 
Turn off that brain. You don't need it for this movie. Keep it in you the little brain it. compartment. And I yeah. will tell you, we were having a stressful week. And I suggested oh, no. on Thursday night, I was throwing Con Air. Jen and I were like, that was nice. That was a nice two hours to like just turn it off and revel in the glory of Cameron Poe and the guys. Oh, man. There's so much happening in Con Air. A lot There's... of guys in both movies. Boy, uh, so just ahead of time, if we feel like we are running too long, we will split this episode into two. So do not be surprised if we get done with Con Air and be like, well, that was two and a half hours. We'll probably do the rest later. Yeah, uh, these, these uh, are movies. Yeah, it these makes are sense movies like we that. could e- easily spend like, yeah, six hours talking about, I feel like. There's just so much. There's so many things. Yeah, they uh, they hit they check a lot of boxes here, but let's get into it with Jerry Bruckheimer. So mm. we are in nineteen ninety seven. He has just had in the previous year another smash success with The Rock. As we mentioned before, the production on The Rock was tumultuous due to the fact that um Don Simpson was on his way out the door in kind of a blaze of inglory, would you mm-hmm. would you say blaze of inglory, not blaze of glory? Yeah, yeah, blaze. Um, of, oh, inglory, yes, inglory, yes, yeah. definitely inglory. Yeah, the, yeah. the opposite, the antithesis of glory. The antithesis I agree. of glory. Yeah. <laughs> so Jerry Bruckheimer is now like the break was going to happen as we discussed, but now mm-hmm. Jerry Bruckheimer's alone, and his very next project on the docket is a project that Don Simpson hated the which is of course 1997's con air which don simpson thought was stupid so here's the thing the reason why i believe and we're going to tear this band-aid right now patrick we're tearing mm-hmm. it off i'm not even going to lead into it the reason why jerry Bruckheimer's is fine he learned everything he could from don simpson about passionate storytelling mm-hmm. but took none of don simpson's artistic fantasies and whims with him. He maintained his pragmatic Hollywood man, Hollywood man outlook <laughs> on things. So he could still produce and still knew where the bucks went and did it in a responsible way. But now he understood how to do a story that touched audiences on his own without the need of Don Simpson, who brought that to the table early. That was his <laughs> side of things. But he also didn't see himself ever making a driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> style art (laughs) tugger that won academy awards so he is free to pursue what he wanted in the same vision and style that they did before but without any of the baggage and without any shame in pushing it even harder they're like dorky ass style would you agree it's so funny like I think you're right. Like, and I feel like you look at all the previous movies. Yeah, none of them have ever gotten as like gritty and maybe gritty is the wrong term. None of them have gotten as messy or as mean as this. I feel like this is like the meanest. This might be like the the like. I'm trying to phrase it. I feel like all the movies in the past, like the le- there's like ostensibly like. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I just, it just, it just feels like this is like. I feel like, yeah, this is going to a, in a in a direction that I think Don Simpson would not have gone. Like a, this is a path that Don Simpson would have wouldn't have gone down 
because there's just like a level of skeeziness to the majority of these characters. I feel like there's a, a wholesome quality. Wholesome might be the wrong I, word too. I, think I don't there's know. A bounce, there's a, but there is still a sentimentality that I don't yes. think Don Simpson would have done either. Like yeah. I like that. Like oh, because he's pretty sentimental. I don't know. He can be sentimental sometimes. I don't know. It, it it's interesting, and I think it's um. This desire to check every box, and I do actually think as well mm-hmm. that in 1996, Jerry Bruckheimer developed a new creative relationship that infiltrated all of the movies that followed up until, like, let's say Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. And that is his relationship with director Michael Bay, who mm. brings his complete and utter 14-year-old boy in the midst of puberty mindset yeah. just yeah all like spider webs to all of the simpson brook the bruckheimer movies of the next five years whether he directed them or not in some way shape or form like gone in 60 seconds coyote ugly con air mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one could argue bay mindset is in those movies despite bay not directing those movies yeah um the only outliers would be remember the titans and enemy of the state enemy of the state previously covered and as a tony scott joint that feels Mm -hmm. like he's got it tony scott is the predecessor to michael bay and a guy who brockheimer does not have to produce too hard like yeah i feel like brookheimer can kind of let tony yeah tony scott can let uh brookheimer can let tony scott do his thing and he will achieve you know, yeah. success. Yeah. And then I think with Remember the Titans, it's it is Bruckheimer trying to extend work with Disney, trying to get a family market, mm. basically, a little bit more, and kind of stretch a little stretch in his own way. But like Remember the Titans drops all of the action and is still a guy's doing stuff and accomplishing things movie, but it's all you know within the realm of sports rather than like convicts taking yeah. over a. Yeah. you know convict plane or whatever there's no pinball in the world of remember yeah. the titans yeah but jerry is his own man is what we're getting at here i think he mm-hmm. i think he wisely and this is why he still is in the game to this day he wisely took all of the positive attributes that don simpson brought to the table mm-hmm. and shed and didn't listen to any of the negative attributes and then in this late 90s period, crank them all up to 12 by joining forces with Michael Bay. Right. He is just like this. He has become like this T2 of production. At this point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we'll, none of the flaws. No, yeah. It's just kind of it's all been sharpened. There's not he does not have this like psychotic cokehead showing up, maybe showing up to set yeah. and then demanding to be in charge and saying, I'm going to play a race car driver. <laughs> yeah, there's no moment. Yeah, there's no moment where Jerry Bruckheimer dons an astronaut helmet. Although, Although did, you, did you catch Michael Bay and yeah, yeah, totally <laughs> caught Michael Bay. You know what? And I'm glad that he didn't don the. He, I'm. You can be a NASA's assistant, sure. You can be one of the tech guys. That's fine. It just it just puts a smile on the face of the true heads. It doesn't distract <laughs> any further than that. You're exactly. just like, hey, look at that. There's Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah, I saw that face recently. He was yeah. contemplating something in a photo on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not following Michael Bay on Instagram, uh, you're missing out. 
Check it yeah. out. It's good it's, stuff. <laughs> it's really good. Don sent me a great picture of Michael Bay <laughs> contemplating, and it was just 10 out of 10. It's in his okay. house. It's got to be in his house. There's not like some set or model like photo shoot or anything. That's at Michael Bay's house. Somebody yeah. just took that photo of him. <laughs> yeah, he, he he was sitting down and he was like, oh, this would be a good photo. He got his like assistant or something to take Absolutely. a photo of him. Absolutely. So we're starting off with 1997's Con Air one year after The Rock. And there's a lot of connections to The Rock with Con Air. Yeah. I think... Um, Right. Most people think Con Air was directed by Michael Bay. I I, I think. <laughs> yeah, fairly, that's a fair. I think that's a say. fair. Yeah, like I, if I you feel just like for... ask someone on the street about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, hundred percent. And then, of course, we need to get to the presence of Nicolas Cage. In oh my goodness, like, this is the same time. So Nicolas Cage, the same summer as Con Air, I believe, was the same summer as Face Off. So mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage is a bona fide action superstar. By this mm-hmm. point, I remember sh- our Sean Penn, the grump that he is, said something like, I remember when Nicolas Cage was one of our finest actors after this summer. And I'll tell you what, Sean, he still is. He's freaking great. He's and incredible. He's, he's, don't be a grump. Don't be an elitist grump just because you can't do Con Air, Sean. <laughs> yeah. Although if Sean Penn was in Con Air, he's Cyrus the Virus, right? Hundred, I think he's Cyrus the Virus. He could be John Cusack's character, but then like he would be harder to like. I don't think you would like him as John Cusack's character. No, but I think I, no, and I think John Cusack has to have this like. Um, Vince has to have this because he plays like this like tree hugger. Mm-hmm. In the well, in the right wing world of Bruckheimer films. He's the sandal wearing tree hugger, not yeah. a, not a man of action until he is a man of action, as he it goes. Is. So yeah. you need a softy, like a soft, um, romantic figure, like John Cusack, I think. Or oh, yeah. as we brought up on our text, Nicolas Cage could have played Vince Larkin or Cyrus the Virus easily. Should have just done a Mars Attacks, have him play two different yeah. characters. This is a where... this is a clump situation, like right yes. in front of us. <laughs> have him clump it. Have him play seven different inmates. <laughs> have him play seven of them. So, 1997 American action thriller Con Air. This film is directed by Simon West, who is of course a British director of the RSA advertising. BBC started at the BBC, moved into advertising because, as we learned from Tony Scott, guess where the money is? Not at the BBC. Oh man! Did you see what music videos he directed? Um, never. I mean, never gonna give you up. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> it was ins- just like, an insane. Let's, also, uh, let's... also the pilot for the Cape. Wow, what a what a career yeah. this man has had. Yeah, he did the Cape. Uh, he was the EP on Black Hawk Down, as we mentioned last week. But directed Con Air, directed The General's Daughter with um John Travolta. Oh yeah, and uh, Madeline Stowe directed uh, the to- the initial Tomb Raider movie, mm. and uh, then you know as we mentioned he was bur- he said he was burnt out, so, and then, I think he should not have begotten burnt out. He had hit after hit there, he took a breather, and it made him less hot. <laughs> because, yeah, he was. You know, he starts doing like. Still, movies that made the theater clearly, like When a Stranger Calls, the Mechanic remake with Jason Statham, the Expendables, Expendables Part Two, 
And then Ooh. um since then it's been a little more um you know, it looks like he like he's still buddies with Statham, so he does Statham ones. He made this movie called Gunshy, where um take a look at the poster on this one, Patrick. Antonio <laughs> Banderas looks like Captain Jack Sparrow <laughs> on the poster. Oh God. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious because I'm, I'm a huge Banderas fan, as we all, you know, live and breathe. But oh, it sure. looks like a lot of um, straight to VOD, like, you know, action yep. movies. Looks like he's worked in China for his oh, last wow. couple, even, too. So, you know, I mean, still working, but um, definitely, like, this is, I, I would say this is his, this is his masterpiece. For sure, it's it safe is, to it, say it's a it's a Weezer Blue album situation. First mm-hmm. one, best one. Uh, yeah, no so, shit. Yeah, no but yeah, mm. Surfwax screen... America. Um, Surfwax America, a little bit. Some would say. Um, <laughs> screenplay is credited to Scott Rosenberg, who has just a ton of credits. You know, Gone yeah. sixty seconds, High Fidelity, um, Kangaroo Jack. Of course, first um, movie I ever saw by myself in a theater. You know, he wrote the Venom movie. He wrote the Jumanji pictures. Oh, those um, are okay. Yeah, yeah he's this, doing this, fine. This, yeah, this guy works. Yeah, yeah. he remains working. Like you <laughs> he know. figured it out. Yeah, he figured it out. He's fine. Uh, good for him <laughs> for continuing to work. As is the used uh, tradition in the world of uh, uh, Bruckheimer. I guarantee this movie had like seventy-five thousand script doctors come in. Oh yeah, for rewrites and punch-ups. And I don't think you could have every single line in a movie be funny in the way like every single line in this movie is funny if you don't have a ton of people coming in to punch this thing up because every character is funny in this movie. Like it is wild. Um, music by Mark Mancini and Trevor Rabin. Um, Hmm. of the Hans Zimmer school and folks you can hear it it's that same dun, 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 <laughs> style yeah. that this is their their bread and butter uh edit uh cinematography by David Tattersall who uh went on to do the uh Star Wars episodes one two and three wow movies among others uh you know working to this day Looks like he's doing um, working with Martin Campbell pretty regularly, but you know a lot of cool stuff on the the, the Speed Racer movie. A lot of cool stuff. Um, edited by three editors naturally: Chris Lebenenzon, Steve Merkowitz, and Glenn Scanterbury. Chris, Chris Lebenenzon, of course, um, has come up many a time. Yeah, and has editing credits on not only Con Air but Armageddon and Enemy of the State and Gone in sixty seconds and Pearl Pearl Harbor and Crimson Tide and Last Boy Scout, Days of Thunder, Revenge, Beverly Hills Cop Two, uh, Top Gun, um, House Editor in the yep. in the uh, Simpson Bruckheimer Bay Scott universe all the way yeah, up to I'll- up to Unstoppable. Yeah, also a Tim Burton guy, it looks like. He's done a lot of Burtons. Yeah. Um, so the essential plotline here, if you do not know it, is mm-hmm. that honorably discharged U.S. Army Ranger Sergeant Cameron Poe has returned home from Desert Storm 
decorated. And he lives in Mobile, Alabama, and reunites. <laughs> like Jen goes, she is stunningly good looking. His wife, Trisha. Like, oh, that's yeah. like all she said. The only woman in the movie, practically. Uh, well, you know. Oh, you know. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> Practically, there are others. Practically. But, you know, hey, Rachel hey, Cotton. Yeah, who is good? Um, yeah. and he reunites with her. It's beautiful. It's Tony Scott level raining. Yeah, oh, this yeah. place. Um, and he's like, "I love you, baby." Oh God, it's good to see you. And I Nicholas, say, I say, I say, I say, I say. Nicholas Cage is, of course, Cameron Poe. You should like mention that right now and um, he yeah he is amazing from the second he should oh also should be noted briefly they talk about who the u.s army rangers are powers booth army rangers have a proud history since the 1700s rangers have led the way in every major confrontation in which the united states has been involved you men are credit to that fine heritage and i'm sorry to see you go but you've served your country well, and you've displayed the ability to fight on to the Ranger objective and complete its mission, never leaving behind a fallen comrade, no matter what the odds or the enemy. I thank you. America thanks you. And I wish you luck wherever you go. And remember, Rangers lead the way. Does this voice, like uncredited voiceover, just to introduce the you like how badass army rangers are, like get you started right with the oh dulcet God. tones of Powers Booth? Bring bring back having a cool actor narrate something in the beginning. Both Only, these movies, yeah, both yeah. these movies have it. It's it's great. Let's do it, it again. Rules. <laughs> Maddie Dad, that's from Tombstone with Robert. Yeah. <laughs> like I want Stacy Keach to do a a, a a serious intro for Megan. Yeah, like, and this was that robot, <laughs> Megan. Dun, dun, dun. Kind of a, it's kind of a meme. Kind of a meme. She dances. You'll see. I'm only here for the first two minutes of this movie. <laughs> Not even part of this movie. Bye. Part. Bye. <laughs> yeah, they should end with bye. All right. So uh, he gets home. However, there are three stinkers at the bar who are giving him crap. Why? Oh. I don't know. Well, we, one, one of them's Wangro. That's one why. of them is Wangro. <laughs> so, yeah, and look, the, I think the there guy, should be the a guy rule. Who plays, yeah, the guy who plays Wangro is just like, I don't know. You, you play Wangro. You're, yeah, that's you. <laughs> there should be a rule that if a Wangro attacks you, you should be like, they're going to just Wangro. You can't, yeah, you can't control Cage, that. Nicholas Cage's attorney sucked because he didn't <laughs> launch the Wangro defense. Uh, your honor. Your Honor, I say, I say, as I dab my brow because it's so hot in this. That's a birthday, boys. We gotta give them credit for the hot, the hot courtroom. But so dab my brow. I gotta say, he the man he killed was Wayne Grow. Just murdered a simple Wayne Grow. Oh, I say, I say, this this court is adjourned. <laughs> Nicholas Cage, you can go free with your lovely wife Trisha and your soon-to-be daughter Casey. Movie over, credits. Movie over. And that was the movie. This is Powers Booth. The Rangers <laughs> are great. Unfortunately, Bye. that is not the case. Nicolas Cage brains Wayne Grow with an open palm, kills him, and gets sent to... And, they, and his stupid lawyer's like, oh, he'll like... He'll, he'll care, because you're a troop. He'll let you off. It was self-defense, mm-hmm. and you're a great troop. No, not no. This, 
somehow the only judge in the South who didn't buy this defense. Um, <laughs> says, uh, uh, uh. And uh, so he, he is sentenced to the slammer mm-hmm. for eight years. Um, wow. There are prison riots, but Nicolas Cage is too busy growing one of the most majestic cinematic haircuts of all time and doing handstand push-ups and Man. learning Spanish and making great friends with our first guy that we yes. meet to this movie. First, but not last guy. This is, of course, played by the great Michael T. Williamson, also from Heat. Um, mm. But probably better known as Bubba Gump, Baby O. Diabetic, diabetic friend in some way. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, you think Baby O did something really, really bad? He's not getting out of jail. He's just being transferred. What did Baby O do? Yeah. Hashtag, what's going on with yeah. Baby O? They never, they never bring it up. They're like, oh, yeah. Um, he killed a bunch of elderly women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. He's actually the joke. He's a joker. He, yeah. He's the yeah. Like, like I would have liked if Cyrus of Iris was like, baby, oh, I love your work, but they never say what it was. Like, it just kind of like leaves it at that. I would like the idea of baby, oh, just having this insane, like either he's like, yeah, either he's like a whimsical thief or he's just like a super murderer. But his job is to be friend and ally to Cameron Poe and plot device. Um, Cameron Poe gets letters from Casey, but he's never met her because I'm not going to let my daughter meet me in here. No. Uh, <laughs> was, uh, uh, uh. You got what's great about your impression there is you you got it's like Clintony. It's a little Clintony well, too. That's the th- well, it's like I think it's like you have to get like not only do you have to do a Southern accent, you have to do the Nicolas Cage doing a Southern accent. Yeah, there's it's a, his inflection like what he. Gets his parole letter. It's the like it really gets the ball rolling. I'm going home, son. Like he has over really give him a big baby a big hug. Nicholas Cage just learned he's going home. Mm-hmm. And he's getting a lift on the plane. Hmm. On a plane. Baby O's mm-hmm. being transferred. He's just happy to be leaving. The prison guard tries to take his foot. That's my daughter. You can't do that. He gets her a bunny rabbit. He doesn't know if it's going to be a good present. I'll tell you this, though. My little daughter, she's got two bunny rabbits. They're her favorites. So I was already invested emotionally. I think that there are a lot of similarities between myself and Cameron Poe. That's what I'm getting at when I say (laughs) that. (laughs) We both have cool haircuts. We both have cool haircuts. We're both like... In the shape of our lives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Your best friend is an, an, a weird man named Baby O. Baby O. <laughs> I, I too went to jail for a crime of self defense. I too am a decorated <laughs> U.S. Army Ranger. Yeah, when, you I know, t- when Kevin Gage. I, t- I, too, I too only trust two men, but now I trust three men in the world. One of them is you, Patrick. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I'm Vince. Oh. That rules. Yeah. You're, I, I think. Yeah, you are the Vince of this. Yeah. I like the idea of you playing Vince Larkin. I could see it. It's definitely like the if I'm gonna play any character in this movie, he's having the most fun. I think unfortunately one of us is probably playing the guy Dave Chappelle lights on fire. Like, yeah. That's, that's or, a, that's a or, 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 guy, or playing the guy that uh, gets a, a body falling out of his car. I feel like that. Or there's that. Or the guys who get blown up going through Cyrus's, who John Cusack explicitly says not to touch anything. 
Oh yeah. Get blown up in Cyrus's cell. That's us. Yeah. Like the other prison guards. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so what a crazy scene. They touch everything except for this one thing, and then John Cusick's like, touch nothing else, even though I just touched everything in this damn cell. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. We're jumping ahead. This we gotta, to talk about. It's a lot going on in this movie. All folks. right, so he gets a ride on this plane known as the Jailbird, which transports prisoners. For some reason, okay, no, there is a reason. They're opening a brand new Supermax prison that they're moving Mm. some of the worst of the worst guys to. Okay, serious question. Do you think this is the face-off underwater prison? Oh, it very well could be. Absolutely. Like Like it, and do I wish Caster Troy was on this plane? Played by Nicolas Cage? Absolutely. Yes! Or John Javolta. How about either? Either of them. Like I like either one of them in this. Let's 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 have a crossover that we've wanted here. Yeah, man, missed opportunity, Connor. Yeah, be in communication with your fellow action film. Yeah, we'll John... talk about what happens when you are in communication with your fellow action film when we learn about the guy who pitched um uh or who pitched um what is the other not Armageddon movie. Oh, Deep Impact. The oh, guy man. who pitched Deep Impact to Disney executives who took notes on everything and then all of a sudden Con Air was in, or uh, Armageddon was in pre-production. <laughs> but, oh, so maybe no. don't be in communication with your fellow action uh, Just... studios and executives. The Playing the Jailbird is uh, run by Vince Larkin played by John Cusack. Mm-hmm. He is a U.S. Marshal who uh, his job is to make sure everything goes smoothly on this plane. Uh, spoiler alert, it does not. Vince probably was fired the second this movie ended. I would, yeah, yes. he should. He should and be. It's, Vince's, yeah, entire, Vince's entire thing is like he's not a um, warmongering psychopath. He has sympathy and views these people as human beings, which of course makes him a hippie scumbag in the eyes of everyone else in like the Justice Department. Less than dirt. Less than dirt. This guy's a loser. He's not an ass kicker. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Oh. But until like we learned that John Keese, <laughs> there's more behind Vince Larkin, and he's actually one of the most competent, the, probably the second most competent person in the world, behind of course Cameron Poe. Cameron Poe. Yeah. He just. Just a human T2. Just a perfect, the a perfect, perfect, the perfect the, man. The most perfect guy. And, like, he knows why we cry. He does not have to be taught. Because he's emotional, too. Yeah. Um. So we get to the airport. The guy, our, uh, Nicolas Cage gets off the air, gets off and tastes fresh air for the first time. You've seen the meme. It's great. Incredible. It's a, it's a classic moment. It, what I love about both these movies is they're so fucking shameless. Ever, they don't miss a beat. They just go. No. They 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 just crush your larynx <laughs> with cheese, like all the way through. And it, I'm bring it on. Bring give me. I had a dom. I had you know what I had last night. Domino's pizza. Is it a perfect pizza? No, but is it pizza, baby? It's pizza, baby. Oh yeah. And this 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 goes down smooth like Domino's, folks. This is mm-hmm. this like is, we this said. Is... Get your, order a pizza and get yourself some soda. Watch these. You're in for a good night. Have some friends over. It's great. Yes. <laughs> but we get this awesome introduction. John Cusack is doing voiceover introducing all this murderer's row of literal murderer's row <laughs> of bad guys. No pun intended. 
No pun intended. Mass murderer William Billy Bedlam Bedford. Ugh. Mm. And this Ooh. guy is played by um an actor who I don't really like. Nick Chinland, who is uh, uh who you know worked you know he's in Lethal Weapon three did a couple of X-Files, did a Red Shoe Diaries, uh, is he an eraser? Um, but is, like, probably, like, the, like, out of the main guys, you know, consistently works to this day, does a ton of TV and stuff like that, but is probably, like, the least famous of mm. the, like, big bad guy actors who are on this plane. But he yeah. makes the impression known. Um, utter lunatic, mass murderer, like, Lock him up. Yeah. <laughs> not a cool dude. I'm not cool. But even less cool is, of course, Danny Trejo's Johnny 23 serial God. rapist. Danny Trejo, God bless him, plays like somebody like Cyrus is very charismatic. There's nothing charismatic about Johnny 23. He's bad. Just yeah, bad. An... Bad news from the evil jump. guy. Evil the evil. Uh, but it's Danny Trejo, so you love to see him. Yeah, I'm going, hey, get that money, Cherho. Get that money. Then, next up, Black Gorilla uh, member Nathan Diamond Dog Jones, (laughs) played by Ving Rames. Oh, man, he's great. All the way through this one. Did you know, fun fact, that he was given the name Ving? Because his real name is Irving. The nickname of Ving was given to him by beloved Academy Academy legend and fellow Juilliard student. Or no, this was at SUNY Purchase. Fellow SUNY Purchase actor Stanley Tucci. Colleagues wow. and friends from college and he named him and he started calling him Ving and it stuck. How about Dang. that? Wow. That's good. How are those two not starting a movie together? Make that happen, Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, come on, Hollywood. Uh, he's great. Uh, he's convicted of terrorist and will be re- terrorism, and he will be revealed as the second in command to the main baddie in this mm. initial batch of baddies, Cyrus the Virus Grissom. Career yes. criminal. Done it all. Checked all the boxes. He's a five-tool bad guy. Like, you name it, he's done it. The only bad guy he doesn't respect is Danny Trejo. So he's got a, you know, he's got a some morals. He's a total lunatic. Yeah. No, like, he's a complete utter lunatic. <laughs> he's totally just a chaos agent. And he which... is played with dynamic relish by John Malkovich, who says, yes, bring it on. I'm going to lean in. Oh, I'm playing eating, Cyrus I'm, the Virus. I'm eating that slop, baby. I'm loving this. I, love, am just... I am buying a villa in Paris after this is over, and you can't stop me. Is what John John Malkovich is saying here, and he's bringing it all home. And I think what he's doing, every other guy on set sees this, and they're like, "I see what you're doing, and I'm doing it too. I want to. I want a piece of this pie that you're eating, Malkovich. Yeah. This delicious, delicious fun. bad guy chewing it up pie. <laughs> it is just like what a great like." Not since one armed boxer have we just had such a fun collection of weirdos. This great. Is, this is like, it's interesting because like the Marvel movies and the DC movies and the Harry Potters and all of these movies, they do have like a deep bench of guys, but they don't let these guys like. I don't think they let them cook. 
in the mm. same way because I think everybody wants to be cool. Yeah. Or something. Cool or funny. I think cool, like those like, are the two. Yeah. But everyone in this movie is funny. We've got like there but there's nothing soy in this movie. Well, no. There's a difference. You know, it's like it isn't like nerds writing it. It's like I don't know. I think it's because it has that nasty aspect you had mentioned too, like the bad behavior of it. Like no one is trying to be pure and moral. Like everyone's kind of bad. No, they're all reveling in how naughty their characters yeah, yeah, are. It is yeah. like it is again, naughty. it's like this like fourteen year old rebellious teenage boy quality that makes you like, just, like. I think like watching it now, it's like all nostalgia for feeling fourteen almost. Oh, like, yeah. oh, I want to get away with stuff. I want to like spin kick a guy underneath a plane. <laughs> you know? Yeah, into um, a weird pipe. Yeah. And speaking of the immature, um, of course, also on board is Joe Pinball Parker, a low-level inmate convicted of heroin, armed robbery, and arson charges, played by Dave Chappelle. Now, I know recent history, Dave Chappelle has been a controversial character of yes. some note. He's very funny in this movie. <laughs> like, I... <laughs> some of the one-liners he has are so stupid. <laughs> he, like it is just, it is just. Also, the way that his ignominious end is so crazy. <laughs> I know. It is crazy. What happens to his character? What happens? How his body is used as a clue? <laughs> it's very. It's up there with now. I have a machine gun. Ho ho ho! From uh. Die Hard, like yeah, it's, or when he throws the guy out the window on Al Pal's car and Die Hard, it's like, welcome <laughs> to the body, pal. <laughs> like, it's great. Like, I love that. Like, Cameron Poe, perfect guy. No, I feel like there's there is like this very fun disregard, especially when you get towards the climax, like the the ending, the big ending climactic moment. There is just a disregard for human life. People just do not care if, you know, no one cares after a certain point if people are getting injured, if people are going to die. People are just, like, having fun. literally the mission at hand. Like, when Cameron Poe is, like, like, walking down the galley to retake the plane and gets shot in the arm and does not react. Terminator! He's a... Like, the movie has, like, twisted it up. It's like, it doesn't matter. And like yeah. him and Cusack are like flying on those motorcycles at the end of it. And Cage is doing a one arm hang off of that like fire truck. Like it's all like doesn't matter. It doesn't like and there would be all sorts of people on the internet now. This is not realistic. <laughs> Who cares? No. Who See cares? this is what okay. This is why so many people like RRR now. Yeah. Because RRR gets it. Yeah, they understand. Yeah, I, yeah it, totally, totally. This is what separates uh, blockbusters of the past from blockbusters of now. Everyone is too self-conscious, and we're like, ah, oh, it has to be real. It has to make sense. Every everyone is so like obsessed with logic at this point. Yeah, and, like having yeah. everyone's afraid of being cinema sinned. That's like, and this and movie starts give with a shit. that. You know, the 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 biggest like culprits, Josh Whedon. J.J. Abrams, and I'm going to say it, my beloved Christopher Nolan are the yeah. three people who kind of started that. It, oh, it's this game, and it's this puzzle, and you got to unlock it. And Ryan Johnson does that. It all has to make sense. It all has to, yeah. like, 
And, well, and it's and it's like, what if this was real? What if Batman was a real? But it's just like, and it's fine. It works with like, I feel like some people can get away with it. With Nolan, there's like true get, artistic. Get, yeah, and I think even Matt Reeves came close to it in the new one. Yes. But for the most part, it's like they become these like video game movies for kids. Cartoons. And I guess like I this also gets back to this idea like with a movie like Con Air when you're 14 and it's this R-rated movie full of bad behavior and graphic violence. Yeah. There's this like illicit quality like oh I want to see that. But I guess you know 14 year old kids like watching beheading videos on YouTube now so <laughs> Con Air is very tame. <laughs> yeah. Th- I guess it is just like yeah, it's like uh, I've seen yeah, yeah. Like fifty ISIS beheadings. I'm fine. It's just the simpler times kind of thing. So basically, mm-hmm. oh, and also Patrick brought up like one of our favorite tropes that we're discovering from this world of movies we've been covering is the perfect man trope. Yeah. And it started earlier on, like even in like Beverly Hills Cop and Top Gun mm-hmm. or Days of Thunder, like yeah. It is ba- in essence, this man is a perfect soul with one flaw that actually is really not. It's like Cameron Poe's flaw was he defended his wife against assholes in a fight and got a little too aggressive. Yeah, and he's, well, he's too powerful. He's simply yeah, too he's strong. He's too strong for the Wayne Grows of the world. And yeah, he he's... must be locked up. For an unfort- and he gets railroaded by the justice system. The justice bureaucrats. I assume he's like Superman, where he's just, he just constantly has to hold back or else he'll like bend bars and like, mm-hmm. you know, hug yeah, people and through buildings. He's like the most loyal friend in the world. He, lo- he loves and respects women in a very appropriate way. He... He's like his idea. He's the most capable guy ever, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, he's he's like it is kind of nice that he's like. I feel like there were there could have been an opportunity to make him a little scummy, but like they don't like he is just a total like he's the perfect man. He is yeah. just like an angelic being. Yeah, and they even shoot him that way in like that shot where he like breathes in or like that that amazing close up where he winks at John Cusack or at the camera, and you're like. He's got it. He's got everything. And this is Nicolas Cage at his hunky star peak. He is in the shape of his life. It is nuts how he's yoked. It is crazy. He's utterly yoked. It is like I've never seen not even like the Ghostbuster, not Ghostbuster, not even the Ghostwriter fake CGI abs. What he's got though is um, get into a little bodybuilding. He doesn't have like the um, the like water bound muscle steroidy muscularity that so many actors yeah. have today. He's like very lean. He, you he, just tell like he's strong as hell. Well, and that's the thing too. It's like you don't have to be like this crazy like you know. You don't have to like yeah to, uh, get on this insane diet. Get uh, you know take steroids and then like deprive yourself of like liquids for like eight hours before you air. He also like, looks this, like this he's works. Like, he also looks like he's like six foot three. He looks like he's so he seems like the tallest guy too. Like, yeah. He's he, perfect. He's perfect. Yeah. 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 And his hair is incredible all the way through the movie. Like it is yeah. Be- probably the best he's ever looked. And it's maybe it, like when yeah. him and John Cusack first meet and John Cusack is a tall guy and no slouch in the looks department. But he mm-hmm. like looks at Nicolas Cage like gulps. He's like, Oh, 
I can't compete with this guy's so cool. <laughs> like, it's like, oh no, I'm just a normal man. I'm ah. just a normal man. So they get on board, and almost immediately, their Cyrus and Nate D- Diamond Dog are pulling things out of their hands. They've like embedded needles and shit, and they're breaking their cuffs. And Dave Chappelle lights this poor bastard on fire next to him to get cause a distraction. And uh oh, it's on. They are these guys are retaking the plane. Oh no. Oh no. And then they're like, they take over and they're like, how are we gonna do this? Cyrus, how are we gonna do this with a pilot? Uh, 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 I got an idea. They have to make a pit stop and pick up guys. Is what they gotta do. Wow. Load the guards. And guess how, who are some of the guys who are brought in? Oh, how about MC Ganey as Earl Swamp Thing Williams, a convict with aviation experience who immediately is the new pilot. Oh shit. Yes. NFC rules in this movie. He's rules. having a lot of fun. So he is he yeah, gets he it is completely. Great. He gets great jokes. He get, he gets a great look with that helmet. Like Oh man. It's all good. Um Ramoli Santiago is brought on as Ramon Sally Can't Dance Martinez. We might remember him from uh Dangerous Minds. <laughs> He's on board. And probably last but certainly not least, brought on board is of course Garland the Marietta Mangler Green. Notorious Hannibal Lecter level serial killer. Played it's... by Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Uh, it is like his character is basically just like I feel like it is like an executive note of just man, put a Hannibal in there. Make sure you gotta get a Hannibal in here. Yeah. You know, Hannibal's it, big, put a Hannibal in there. You know. Our our god Steve Buscemi comes in here and much like John Malkovich understands the assignment completely. He's just having a fun time. He's just having, they bring him on, he's all chained up. Cameron Poe uh, and Baby O. Baby O who in the chaos of the um, taking the plane has his um, insulin destroyed. The needles to give him the insulin. And he's rapidly heading toward a diabetic coma. Mm-hmm. Which gives us a ticking clock element which we, you know, we love. Oh, we should also note also on board is the most of the prison guards are most of the guards are dispatched relatively easily, but Rachel uh Tickleton, who plays um guard Sally Bishop, is mm-hmm. on board and becomes a quick ally, understanding Cameron Poe and Baby O are the only good guys on the plane. <laughs> and uh but they she needs to she's tough, but also there are a lot of very, very bad strong men on board of this plane, led, mm-hmm. of course, by Danny Trejo, who want to do bad, bad things. Fortunately, though, Cyrus is not into that, so he holds yeah. Danny Trejo back from that. Thank there you. is, like, justice in this movie, which I appreciate. There like, is a justice lot of... in this movie, and Danny Trejo's end is particularly awesome. Yeah, it's And deserving. Yeah. It does rule. But, so, Cyrus lets him out. He even mm-hmm. unhooks Steve Buscemi and lets him run free on the plane. They are in control. They are on their way out. What we discover is their basic scheme is that they are working with a um, drug baron, Francisco Sandino, played by Jesse Borigo. Mm-hmm. And he, they are going to get flown out from this um, this um, rural uh, airfield to freedom. 
and it's like it's kind of like an airfield slash like airplane graveyard is the craziest place in the world it is <laughs> it is utterly it's like set design to death it doesn't make sense but it only makes sense in the realm of the world of con air it, it is yeah it is um it is like a place that only exists in movies but that actually kind of makes it more fun because it's yes. like yeah you know there's gonna be just a random propane tank you know there's gonna be like <laughs> a lot of uh debris that will be able to blow up like like broke like ca- rusted cars uh a weird old restaurant it's it's all happening at this place yeah there's like a, a trailer park in walking distance from this in place. walking distance of this place yeah and this was shot in near utah in uh old uh old airfield called wendover airport which stands in for Lernar airport mm. in this movie um, Simon West chose the barren and remote Wendover area because it looked like the surface of the moon. My idea was that it was perfect for the convicts who had been locked up for 10, 20, 30 years in little cells. So thank you, Simon, for, hey. for joining us briefly. Um, so there should also be noted that due to the fact that Sandino is on board, there is a DEA agent on board oh yeah and this gets to our on the ground conflict a little bit Mm. there are no weapons allowed on board but the dea will not have it and we are led to our on the ground bureaucrat antagonist agent duncan malloy played by Cal meany who is a kill them all guns out (laughs) every war is worthwhile right-wing lunatic just an insane he's almost like frank from it's always sunny levels of insanity yeah yeah and he's in calm to his credit understands the what he needs to do in this movie and his job is to go guns blazing and hate john cusack (laughs) yeah he is like yeah he is like the you know one more false move and you're off the force he's like that and we're taking away your badge cusack (laughs) <laughs> and so immediately go and he puts a gun on his guy even though Cusack explicitly tells him no guns on board um uh, this guy is a terrible DA agent immediately yep. cracks foreshadowed by uh his car of choice and license vanity license oh, yeah and oh yeah call me his car choice is this classic classic car he's a classic car guy <laughs> and his vanity license plate is as azz kicker that's just such a fun. That's a great way to, to let people know that a character is an asshole. Give him a yeah. dumb vanity license. Good, good on you, Cod. I like this it. movie. Doesn't miss. It yeah. like gives you everything you need. So they realize. So his guy gets shot down. Cyrus gets a gun. Oh no! Oh no! And Cameron Poe tries to talk him out of it. Bad news. This is gonna go your way, man. It's not gonna go your way. But it does. It doesn't. He's right. Cameron Poe's okay. correct. For the first few seconds, I, th- I heard some Christopher Walken, and he would have been right at home in this movie. This isn't going to go your way. This is the con air. <laughs> I- I'm Cameron Poe. I'm a 30-year-old Marine. <laughs> I-, I just want to go home and see my daughter. <laughs> I'm 32. I'm 32 yeah. years old. I love that it's the funniest thing at Dewey Cox is every time he brings up how old he is. Like... <laughs> That joke works for everything. Mama, what am I supposed to do? I'm a 16 year old boy. 
Yeah, or, you know, I, I bet they talked Chris Walken about Cyrus. I bet they did. I he bet he was considered. You know what? Uh, I love Christopher Walken, and I think he would have brought an interesting energy to that performance. But there's something about the unhingedness of John Malkovich. No, it's, it's great. Yeah. So basically, the DEA guys and Vince Larkin mm-hmm. discover something is wrong rather quickly because Cameron sends a me- like puts a tape recorder on one of the guards and like sends a message, but it's not enough. They're still wondering about it. The DEA guys are going to shoot down the plane, but they don't realize that Dave Chappelle switched the box with Joel Murray's like uh, commuter cruise plane. So they oh, go after no. shoot him. We're going to shoot him down. You're out of here, Larkin. And uh, that's my that's my call, meanie. <laughs> You're done, Larkin. Um, Larkin though is like, no, they're going somewhere else. I figured it out because Dave Chappelle nearly misses the plane out. And it all ingloriously gets caught in the landing gear of the plane, crushed to death. Adios, R.I.P. Dave. Yep, yeah, R.I.P. Pinball. We knew you. R.I.P. Pinball. They go down. Diamond Dog and Cameron Poe go down to figure out what's wrong with the landing gear. They realize that uh, Dave Chappelle's stuck in it. That's the issue. They're gonna toss him out of the plane, but uh, Cameron Poe writes a note to Vince Larkin on Dave Chappelle's shirt. And they drop him out. Chappelle so, like falls into Fresno onto this poor old couple's car. One of the guys from Twin Peaks. I love the I love the Dave Chappelle sitting on that green screen quality. Like, like, he's clearly not moving, but it's so good. And he just like annihilates this old couple's car. But there's a note on him, and Vince is like, "Wait a second, I think there's a guy on our side. It's Cameron Poe." They're like, yeah. fuck you, Larkin. He's a convict like anybody else. He knew what he would... Yeah, I love... It's like, no, uh, I, w- I want to trust the guy who wrote a note on a dead guy. <laughs> Duncan Malloy's uh, right-wing checklist is, like, top of the line in this movie. <laughs> oh, for sure. He's, yeah, he's he's a cool... And this all leads us... So Vince goes on his own to the boneyard. They're there. Cameron's trying to find, um... Uh, like, uh... Uh, hypodermic needles so he can give uh, oh, baby yeah. over shot. Yep. They're trying to they the convicts like wrap ropes around the airplane to pull it out of a ditch. They all get shirtless. Everybody's everybody's thick. Yeah, everybody's it is thick. it is crazy. There is so much happening in this movie. I, that's like one note I took for both these movies is that they are like juggling. It's not it can't just be one thing. There has to be like two other like big things involved. There has to be. Like, and so. In James Cameron's Masterclass, he talks about two of the most essential things that an exciting movie needs to really push them over the top. That is a ticking clock mm-hmm. and cross-cutting between multiple stories. Both of these movies, in particular our second movie, utilize that to like a next-level choice. Oh, yeah. It's like... And all these movies that we've covered do, because you got the guys in the control room, you got the guys in a helicopter, you got the guys on the ground, you know, you got, of course, their girlfriend back home, nervously, oh, they're going to be okay. (laughs) All these elements come together. So, yeah, we're bouncing around. It gets crazy. This is our big action set piece here. Mm. All sorts of cool stuff. 
explosions, shit's going off. It get, goes crazier and crazier. It also should be noted that when they land in this place, Garland Green takes a walk. <laughs> insane. This is <laughs> insane. This... And meets a little girl, and we are convinced by Simon West and the screenwriter Scott Rosenberg the entire time that he is going to eat this little girl. Yeah. So Buscemi plays it very like, what's that Fred Armisen's part in um, Last Man on Earth? Where is the cannibal? Oh, God. <laughs> like, good-natured cannibal? That's what it reminded me of. Yeah. I thought they were thinking about that with this, with their Fred Armisen's performance. So, like, you're going to be, like, the Steve Bush- how insane the Steve Buscemi character yeah. is. Yeah, like, he's, a nice, he's a nice guy. He's just evil. <laughs> he's just terrible. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't eat her. Spoiler, but it makes you feel like it. But he gets back on the plane. They get out. It's a bloodbath, though. It's crazy. There's all sorts of great explosions. Everybody looks mm-hmm. great. Fire blowing shit up. It's Cage gets a really cool slow motion with fire behind him. Oh, run. yeah. We all should, should note, though. So what they discover is it's going to be a double cross. Sedino is just going to bail mm-hmm. on our inmates. Cyrus has no ride. That mm-hmm. doesn't sit well with Cyrus. They blow up Sandino's plane. Sandino is like laying covered in blood, gases everywhere. And they're like, oh, Diamond Dog, I think. Or no, it's uh, MC, I think, is lighting a cigarette or something. And he takes yeah. it and gets to my favorite line in the entire movie. Sandino is like blanking and goes, sigh. And then John Malkovich goes, Anara. And he throws the <laughs> cigarette in and blows the guy up. It's so good. I love it's so that. good. There's like this sideshow Bob quality to Cyrus the Virus that I really appreciate where like he is like this feels like he's like a little erudite, you know. That's also the difference in movies. So movies nowadays, every villain has to have a reason. Like their dad was mean to them or Mm. any of these or I was in war or whatever. And there's a trauma that humanizes them. Yeah. Bart Simpson got me fired. Yeah. Yeah. Guess what? (laughs) Cyrus the virus, he's bad. No, he's, no he's, just, he's just having fun. Cyrus is a wacky you know guy who likes to have fun. Nothing. I hated him. <laughs> <laughs> the rules. Yeah, and all uh, these guys are totally unapologetic bad guys. They're just bad. We don't evil. Need, like sometimes they're just bad guys. Who cares? Yeah, no they're reasons. Moves. They're yeah, they're absolute. So we get the plane barely gets out. John Cusack and Colmini are in like Apache helicopters going after the thing, screaming, like, Don't shoot him down. He's a friend. <laughs> it's oh my, my he's my best friend. I want to be friends with Cameron Poe so bad. Where did these, yeah, I want to hang out with this cool guy. Where did the helicopter, how did they get these it, helicopters? John, Mal- John Malkovich is on to Cameron Poe because he, he figures out who he is. He figures out he killed Billy Bedlam earlier in a fight in the galley. Uh, it's going, it's all going down. It's going crazy on board. And this is where Nicolas Cage goes alpha. And he just starts spin kicking guys. Gets yeah. shot in the arm, doesn't feel it. He's doing battle. He takes over the cockpit. He gets on the radio. This is Cam Poe. I'm in charge of this play now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and MC's like, we are brother. We are going down. <laughs> Guess where they're going? Guess where they're going down? Las Vegas. Oh no! They crashed the entire. And this is where Vince Larkin's definitely getting fired. <laughs> is that 
He is like, he just wants to get home to his wife and kids. Like, don't shoot it. It's probably, call me this program. He'd probably shoot it down over the desert. Yeah, Cole, Cole might have had a point here. Uh, it's, it's a little more realistic as the closer they get to crashing a jumbo jet onto the yeah. Las Vegas Strip, which MC Gady is both nervous about but kind of excited to do. Oh, he say. is like, yeah, the, the, the line between pain and pleasure with this character is it's very thin. Wire thin. Narrow, yeah. narrow margin. <laughs> also, Colt Meany has another reason to be mad. I can't believe we, we skated over this. His car! John Cusack steals his car. His cool car. John Cusack drives like a Volkswagen rabbit and he needs a faster car. Oh, this movie rules. He steals it. And then this hook, somehow this big hook from the airplane, swings around the like airport and gets caught underneath Colmini's car and just takes off with it. This, and then camera focus is great. On other days, that would be the weirdest thing that has happened today, or something like that. That's just a Tuesday to me. But that's now. just now a Tuesday to Cam Poe. So, see, that's why this movie. Having this card is floating and in the it, air. It gets cut off and it just falls perfectly right in front of Call Me. It would be like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that was my car. Gotta take that to Jiffy Loop, buddy. Gotta take the, Yeah, oh, that's a missed out joke. Cusack should have hit that. Yeah. You know, I, I know. I think he does do it. You know, I know a good shop kind of joke. Or he, does. It, he does. It does. That that, that, yeah. It doesn't a, miss. Never mind. They hit that joke it, too. <laughs> it rolled. It, that's the thing. This movie just. Yeah, that's stuff like that is why this movie rules. There's that old like thing like an improv like Besser said or something like like third beat of Harold, it's like you give them what they want. They're already ahead of you. They know where you're going. You just finish the job and give the audience exact every moment of this movie, it's like we know this joke we know that joke about the auto body shop is coming, but we still <laughs> want it. A hundred percent. And it delivers. So they crash into Vegas. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Most of the guys die, except for any of the actors we know, for the yeah. most part, except Danny Trejo, who's been chained up because Nicholas Cage is like smash his head against the fence. Yes. <laughs> you don't treat women like that, <laughs> which is very good. It was very cathartic. very good. Yeah, it's very cathartic. Hey, Cameron Cage, Cameron Poe, correct, correct, perfect man. He gets hey, Cameron Poe, one of my guys, and they drag Danny Trejo away. His arm with all the tattoos of his victims remains there. He got his arm ripped off. In the, and it feels good. You love yeah. to see it, folks. Good it's, riddance, it's, good riddance it's, Johnny. It's hanging like a peeking duck. You love to see it. You love to see it. Get rid of him. He's dead. So they get off the plane. They're all hurt, but everyone, all of our lead guys are okay. Baby O, who got shot. <laughs> this brought up Jed's like, why does this always happen to this actor? Oh. Like getting shot and dying in the arms of like the white lead <laughs> also like at one point he's just like I don't think God's real it's so oh it's crazy and then I'm gonna show you there is a God and it's me Cameron Poe <laughs> I'm the second coming I'm the second coming I am Jesus Christ like <laughs> he's gonna have you have you seen hair? the way have you seen the whale yet, Don? I've not seen the whale. Yet. Okay, I'm not going to spoil the ending of the whale. I was going to make a whale joke, but I can't. Uh, no spoilies. But uh, man, yeah, it's just it is. Cr- These movies are both kind of like 
there are religious undertones to both these movies. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, I think that that's kind of in the Bay Bruckheimer Simpson thing. It's like these are Jesus Christ like figures. Oh, for sure. All these, all these heroes. It's like, what if Jesus Christ was a cool dude from <laughs> yeah, Mobile, what, yeah, what, Alabama? Yeah. <laughs> what if he was like a like a smack talking cop from Detroit, <laughs> thrown into the wilds of Beverly Hills? <laughs> oh my god! I want <laughs> Beverly Hills cop is a Christ like figure. Oh, I Axel uh, Foley. I I man, I'd follow him. Axel oh, Foley yeah. is very charismatic. <laughs> yeah, he he turns water into fun. So. Cameron is about to reunite with his family when all of a sudden, and I love this. They um, they like say like, they cut between Cameron and Larkin both noticing this, mm. and Cameron goes Cyrus, and then they cut to Cusack go Grissom, <laughs> like, so like right and one after the other. They see it's a damn fire truck getting taken out, driven by MC Ganey with Ving Rhames. And John Malkovich hanging from the side of it. So crazy. And so what do, what do our guys do? In our third act climax, Larkin and Poe steal cop motorcycles. And we kind of chase through Vegas down Fremont Street. If you thought this movie couldn't give you more, it gives you an entire another ending. <laughs> it's so much. And yeah, at this point, Cusack's in jail. He is going. And, but Cusack's proven himself. He's like, you got a gun, son? We'll use that thing. Like, <laughs> yes. They're like firing the guns. They're jumping on. Cyrus is like at the water hose, the fire hose. He's firing water at cops. They're getting blown off their motorcycle in tunnels. Cage jumps. With, and he's been shot in the arm, so he's on one arm, jumps oh, onto the ladder on the bottom of the thing. Kedge, Guncho, on full display. He's hanging on yeah. tight to this thing. And we get our kind of, you'd love to see it. Cusack has to be the one to take out Ving Rhames. Cage has to be the one to take out John Malkovich. Cusack jumps on board. He's like firing an axe into the thing. He puts a water the host into the cabin. They throw a motorcycle at Ving Rhames to blow him up. <laughs> he gets this one great like, no! <laughs> they drown <laughs> MC Ganey in the cabin of the damn car. So Let's get rocketed out oh. of the car too. Cage jams like a, like a stick through John K- Malkovich's leg. Yeah, Ties him up to the ladder on the thing. You will never... Get near my daughter. <laughs> Cranks it up, the ladder starts going upward on the thing. The cage, it goes, the ladder with John Malkovich on it goes through a fucking skywalk, killing John Malkovich for the first time because yeah. John Malkovich dies three times in this movie. It's very, very, very much deter at the end of MacGruber. It is phenomenal. So John Cuse, they go through the, the sky bridge. The fire truck crashes into an armored truck, spraying <sighs> money all over Vi- in Las Vegas, baby. You need that money. It's you true. just need it. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. John Cusack and Nicolas Cage fucking fly off of this fire truck. With they like should be dead. Kill. John Cusack like slams into the hood of this car how he lands, <laughs> bounces off, but gets up just fine. 
He's cool. It's all good. It's all he's gravy. Because cool, he's a cool guy. So yeah, don't scared. worry. I'm cool. It can't yeah. be said for Cyrus or Virus. He gets ripped off of this ladder, flies through the sky bridge. Somehow, right next door to all of this is like a, a classic action music, uh, action movie construction site. Yeah, I was thinking it's just crazy. Malkovich gets cru- like lands so hard in this conveyor belt. But he's still alive. This is the second death, is him landing in this conveyor belt. It's like, why am I still in this mortal well, coil? He's brought up to this thing that, I don't know what it does, it just drops. There's no real function to it. This is an anvil, like an acme, like drops, it's like, yeah, it's like mousetrap, man. And Malkovich gets dropped underneath it, finally this thing drops, crushes Malkovich's head. Cyrus the virus is finally dead. Oh man, uh, we we found the uh, we found the antidote to the Cyrus virus. Money's raining from damn the sky. Ass. There's water everywhere. We see the bunny going down, almost in the sewer. Gets saved by Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Finally, not today, Pennywise. Not today, Pennywise. And he would have sp- he would have just dropped Pennywise with this fucking roundhouse kick to begin with. Yeah, <laughs> but. Not today, Pennywise. <laughs> oh no, my arch nemesis, so, Pennywise. Oh man, I gotta deal with this clown now. I, I thought I was through with clowns. <laughs> you, usually, this would be confusing and scary, but not lock, today. Lock, Larkin, I need your help I'm battling a supernatural clown. <laughs> so, finally, let's cue the Trisha Yearwood. How do I live? Oh man, the 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 sentimental strings come in. Oh yeah, his daughter doesn't recognize him at first. We're worried for him. He has he wants to give her the, this torn up bunny, but then she gives him a hug, and mm. cuts to the moment that I cry every single time I see this movie because it's because Nicholas Cage is such a good actor when he looks up at his wife with the puppy dog eyes that my daughter recognizes and loves me I'm like you're God Nicholas Cage you're a God tier actor you this should not work this should be the stupidest thing in the entire world and yet I buy every single second of it <laughs> like he's just doing whatever that's he what can. that's what movie stars can do that is what yep. the power of the movie star like, and he's just like, oh, I do have love in my life still after this terrible day. <laughs> cut, cut to John Cusack and Cole Meany, now the best of friends, because John Cusack has proven himself to be badass. Yeah, he's like the John Ashton to John Cusack's Eddie Murphy. Yeah, they're like, you know what? Maybe we'll just do another adventure. I had Cole Meany's like, I was tired of that car anyway. And they laugh it off. Cut to the credits. The only way you run a credit sequence Cue that sweet home Alabama, and let's see the guys one more time. Oh, but we wait, we forgot the oh, other. You're absolutely right. Thank you, Patrick. One very more important, hugely important. The button on this entire movie this is, this that is like sells the, the entire project. This is like the Nick Fury post credit sequence for this movie. Which wait rules? Sec- wait a second. Did we forget someone? What's this? We're at the craps. T- we're at the craps table. New player has entered the game. Garland Green in a leisure suit. Steve Buscemi is there rolling dice. Yeah! Yeah, he's free! This guy! The worst this, of all! The yeah, this guy, guy who, who looks up to John Wayne Gacy! Yeah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Sweet Home Alabama comes in. 
we're supposed to cheer at that moment. We see all the guys. We're able to cheer them, cheer on all of our actors that we've loved so much and met all the oh, way man. through this movie. Ends with Nicolas Cage giving us a wink. Cut to the credits. Best time ever. Yeah. What a time to be alive. I God. almost watched it again. I, it was the first movie we've done for the show. I was like, I'll watch it a second time just for fun. Like, 10 out of 10 smiles, man. It's just a blast. Smiles. This movie rules. It's, a, it's, so it's such a good it's time. So, it's so it's, it's very it's stupid, so, but it's very good. Just, you can hear the joy in our laughs because it's so dumb, but it's so much fun. What a, <laughs> what a great time. Con Air opened June 6, 1997. Mm. I was in the midst of high school. I saw it in the theater. I was pumped for Con Air. That's oh, yeah. 97. My entire family was. We loved it. We all loved it. Con Air was a great time. Great oh, time yeah. was had by all. Con Air was budgeted at $75 million. Wow. It made it cool. $224 million at the box office. Let's call it like it is. It was a hit. Hmm. According to review aggregator Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. 58%. Uh, Con Air won't win any awards for believability, and all involved seem cheerfully aware of it, making some of this blockbuster action outing's biggest flaws fairly easy to forgive. Mm-hmm. Eh, sure. You know, I think it's... Right. Everyone knows what movie they're in, which feels great. Uh, right. Ebert gave it three out of four stars saying it moves smoothly with visual style and verbal wit. Uh, Janet Maslin of the New York Times considered Con Air exemplar of the thrill ride genre. Peter Travers of Rolling Stone magazine, though, conversely, ugh, said, decried the film as flip, hip, and ultimately depressing, pandering, and pandering. Come on, Peter. Come on. Uh, Andrew Johnston of Time Out New York said, leaving The Rock last summer, I thought it seemed physically impossible for a more over-the-top action movie to be made. That was pretty short-sighted of me, since it was only a matter of time until producer Jerry Bruckheimer topped himself as he does with the wildly entertaining Con Air. Indeed, Andrew. Yeah, there Indeed. we go. Con Air, if you can believe it, was nominated for two Academy Awards. I'm assuming a best screenplay and directing, right? Uh, yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, best no. <laughs> sound, best sound, and best original song. How do I live? Music and lyrics by Diane Warren. Oh man, the perennial favorite, Diane perennial Warren. Favorite. Is this the last time we've heard on this episode from Diane Warren? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> also nominated for a couple of Razzies. Um, including worst original song, How Do I Live? Music and Lyrics by Diane Warren. Come on, that song was stuck in my head for two days afterwards. I was singing it while making my daughter lunch. How do I live without you? It works, man. Because James Cameron didn't want that Celine Dion song in Titanic. Mm -hmm. And yet he hears, he's like, we gotta gotta hit the nail on the head. (laughs) Gotta hit the nail on the head. In the same way, but I will say, even though this was 1997, the same year as Titanic, mm-hmm. when this movie dropped, the specter and vibes of Titanic lasted long after this and will last long on our show, in particular, starting with the next film, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, though, this is a fondly remembered, beloved staple of the 1990s action genre. 
I have never met a person who said they did not like this movie. It's and if just... I did, you're no fun. You're you're no fun. You're in the no fun gang. Yeah. If you say that. This is a fun movie. This Enjoy is a good it. time. Don't think too hard. Enjoy it. And Jerry Bruckheimer delivered a high concept movie with a ton of fun performances, great action set pieces, and a little bit of humor. Hmm. Uh, so Bruckheimer comes off of it, and you're like, you know, take Don Simpson's name away from that cool opening title card of the Thunderbolt on hitting that tree. It's Jerry Bruckheimer Productions now, baby. Hell yeah. And he's feeling himself. I think he's I think he's um he's ready to flex. So that leads us to the very next year. Now we've mm. already, 1998 was a big year for Jerry Bruckheimer. He released two films in mm. 1998. Uh it should also be noted he's still on his Disney deal. So all of these movies were Disney's subsidiary titles. So oh, Con yeah. Air is a Disney movie. They don't do this put kind of thing anymore, baby. Put it on Disney Plus, guys. Come on. Oh, have the courage. I want some kid needs to accidentally bump into Con Air and have their lives changed. Yes. They were trying to find the Cars TV show. Yeah. They're like, what's this? This looks interesting. Who's this man in this tank top with the weird hair? <laughs> certainly. Certainly it's not Mater, my favorite character. No, it's Cyrus the Virus. <laughs> ah, my new ah. favorite character. Uh, so in 1998, though, Bruckheimer released two movies. One previously covered on the show, The Excellent Enemy of the State. Mm -hmm. A hit, as we talked about. But in the summer of 1998, he reteamed with his bad boys and rock director, Michael Bay, to create mm -hmm. perhaps the movie that is definitely on Michael Bay's tombstone. And might be on Jerry Bruckheimer's tombstone as well as maybe the most movie that they ever made, which oh is goodness. 1998 American science fiction disaster film Armageddon, um, mm. directed by Michael Bay. Scre okay, this we'll get into this in a moment. Screenplay by Jonathan Hensley and J.J. Abrams. Adaptation. Ah. I don't even know what that means because it's not based on anything. By no. Tony Gilroy and Shane Salerno. What? Story by Robert Roy Poole and Jonathan Hensley. Wow. The movie is produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, Michael Bay, and Gail Ann Hurd of the Terminator franchise. She's back, folks. She is back in the mix. Cinematography by John Schwartzman, who is um the son of producer Jack Schwartzman and stepson of actress Talia Shire, which makes him brother of Jason Schwartzman and wow. an ancillary member of the Coppola clan. Man, Coppola's they're every they're all over these films. They yeah, they are and of course Nicolas Cage. Part yeah. of that world too. Uh edited by Mark Goldblatt. The aforementioned Chris Lebanenzon and the aforementioned Glenn Scantleberry. Music by Trevor Rabin, but it might as well be a Hans Zimmer joint. Yeah. It clearly hits those although, notes. Although it does have like these like weird. I, I think you brought up like Titanic being an influence in our text, and like you can feel it in the soundtrack a little bit. There's a couple of Titanic y flourishes yes, here and there. Because this is this is like beyond, because Michael Bay is 
Shionis, he can he can explode stuff like mm-hmm. with the best of them. Do some chases, do the action. But heart? Mm. Mm. But how do Maybe. you feel about the explosions? How do you feel when you see those explosions? How do you feel when young people are in fields um moving doing a bizarre monologue about the history of animal crackers over your topless girlfriend's do you, chest. Do you think that, do you think that like in the way that like Reese's pieces sales like went up, like, animal, you know, exponentially. Yeah, yeah. I think it had the opposite. I think people stopped eating animal crackers. I think they're yeah, like, they're like, that yeah. was disgusting. That was weird. I did yeah, not, that was not sexy. There was nothing sexy about that. Graham crackers for this guy from now on. So <laughs> this movie was released July 1st. 1998 this had the fourth of july weekend slot this was the biggest movie of the year like in every way shape and form it was their goal to make this the biggest movie of the year they did not hold back in this movie is at 151 minutes this movie's long Mm -hmm. as hell like spoiler man this movie fucking cruises yes (laughs) anyway um so armageddon According to Bruce Joel Rubin, who wrote Deep Impact, mm-hmm. a production at president at Disney took notes on everything he said during a lunch about his script and initiated Armageddon as a counterfilm almost immediately. Wow. Jerry Bruckheimer, Michael Bay, superstar duo mm-hmm. of blockbuster films brought in to shepherd it. Nine writers worked on the script, five of whom are credited. We had mentioned... Robert Roy Poole, Jonathan Hensley, Tony Gilroy, Shane Salerno, J.J. Abrams. Guess who else was on this? Paul Antanasio, Ann Biederman, Scott Rosenberg of oh um, Con Air, and of course, Robert Town was in the mix for some sequences. What? So, I mean, I guess uh, he's like a, he's a perennial friend of, uh, of, of Gary Bruckheimer. Bro- yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, Old Hand. Poole. Mm-hmm. This originally it was Jonathan Hensley's script based on Robert Roy Poole's original that was given the green light by Touchstone. Then Bruckheimer brought in a higher succession of scribes for rewrites and polishes. Um, astronomers would note subsequently that Deep Impact was more scientifically accurate. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> and also is... two another two words. Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> this is a movie, and I will say, like, with Con Air, I never had that, like, um, I I've, I think I've only watched it once or twice before rewatching again. Armageddon, this is a movie I saw, like, like 30 times or something growing up, just because we had it on DVD, and that was back when you would just, like, watch the same DVDs over and over again. And, you know, it's a banger when you're 10, it's a banger when you're in your 30s. I, um, at set, at... How old was I? Ninety-eight. Oh, 15, 16 years old. I hated this movie. Hated it. I saw it totally once. Totally fair. Full, full of shit. Give me the. Give me Fargo, man. Where the. Where is um. Where is Quentin Tarantino? I was a you know snotty indie boy, and I wasn't having any of this crap. Wait, so I know this yeah. is really like the second time I'd seen it, despite the fact when I started watching it, I remembered every single moment of this movie as I was going through. <laughs> It's memorable. There's so much. It's so crazy. The beginning is insane. It is insane. So as they were in production, uh, studio chairman Joe Roth, director of mm-hmm. Streets of Fire, to, to go back even further, uh, oh, Streets of Gold. Streets of Fire mm-hmm. was directed by Walter. Streets of Gold, the boxing picture with uh, Wesley Snipes that we watched. The mm-hmm. in the America. Oh, yeah. 
These streets, they are paved with gold. Yes, they are indeed. Uh, he expanded the budget by $3 million to build out the effects even more, including the asteroid-impacting Paris sequence. Um, this additional footage incorporated two months prior to the film's release was specifically added for televising, a television advertising campaign to visually differentiate the film from Deep Impact, which was released a couple months before. Um, I, I guarantee you there was an ad at the Super Bowl for Armageddon. Mm. Um, so the cast, Bruce Willis is our lead in this movie. Bruce plays Harry Stamper. He was cast in the film as part of a three picture deal. He cut with studio could to compensate them for the dissolution of 1997's Broadway brawler. Hmm. Okay. So in that Bruce Willis would play, uh, has been retired hockey player who starts up a relationship with a character played by Maura Tierney. Film ostensibly would have been a sports comedy in the same vein of the previous year's Jerry Maguire. Mm. They did two years of pre-production, 20 days of principal photography. The production was halted owing to an acrimonious environment on set. Willis was dissatisfied with the performance of multiple members of the crew, including cinematographer William Fraker, wardrobe designer Carol Oditz, director Lee Grant, Willis's co-producer Joe Flory, all of whom were fired along with several other members of the cast and crew. Oh my god. More than half of the film's $28 billion budget already spent, Willis brought in Dennis Duggan of the Happy Madison universe to try oh. to carry on. However, production folded before Duggan was able to shoot any scenes. Agents of the other actors publicly expressed a belief that the actors would be paid in full regardless of folding production. They later were reported to have reached an amicable settlement. It is extremely unusual for such a large budget production to simply end. Wow. Not a finished product. Uh, the implosion of the production was largely attributed to Willis's actions and behavior, leaving him in a difficult position with Disney. And he was facing a huge lawsuit. To offset the loss, the WME president, Arnold Rifkin, brokered a deal with their client, with Joe Roth, that convinced Willis to take a three-picture deal with Disney at a greatly reduced salary which willis agreed to and the first movie in this was armageddon he was wow. paid three million and he, from his normal asking price is was 20 million oh my god this time and he was paid three the other two films in this disney deal the very forgettable the kid oh yeah and the very unforgettable the sixth sense Man, yeah, that's like, interesting. interesting. Interesting, yeah, that is uh, that is wild. That like out of the, the like we won't. If Bruce had not had uh, been so adamant of having that, you know, film meet his standards. Whatever have, those, like, whatever the hell those were. Yeah, but, it is funny because it's like, yeah, like you've done like, you know, it's not like you've done every, you know, it's not like your films were always like I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, a very interesting actor who we love quite a bit on the show, but also seems to be seems to have been in his peak of a good, quite a difficult guy. Yeah. And so the essential plotline to Armageddon is actually quite simple. Mm -hmm. There is a giant ass meteor heading for Earth. It is a 
what is it? What, how, what does it describe? People killer or it's like a planet killer? Planet something killer. Like that. Uh, nothing will survive if yeah. this meteor hits Earth. Obviously, scary. So mm-hmm. it is decided upon by NASA scientists the only way to prevent this from happening is to implant a nuclear bomb in the meteor. Inside of the meteor, digging deep into the meteor to do so, because if you just tried to put it on top, it wouldn't do shit. Yeah. Sorry, folks. Well, it's no like a, it's like if you have a firecracker, let Indeed. it go in your hand. You know, it'll burn your hand. But if you hold the firecracker, your hands in your get fist, your your hands getting blown off. You're going, yeah. you know, you no more hand, baby. Yeah, you got to get someone else to cinch that belt for you, sir. Indeed, indeed. Ask your wife. <laughs> ask your dang wife. Yeah, ask your dang wife. Come on. A... Also, I mean, we gotta say too the amount of time. Eighteen days. They have eighteen days. To they have do eighteen this. days to do this until the end of the world. Freaking meteors are falling all over the place. It opens with an insane sequence in New York City with Eddie Griffin riding a bike, perhaps listening to Bon Jovi, perhaps not. Hard Maybe to not, say. We don't know. We'll never know. We don't know. Who's to yeah. say? <laughs> we don't know. Say. New York gets annihilated. Uh including Twin Towers, which is very eerie. Mm, yeah. Mm. I feel like Adam Curtis brought this up before. Yeah. Probably. Scary stuff. No, yeah. This yeah. is definitely coming. Uh oh. Scary. And then like we see later on Paris just gets its ass handed to it. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, the French. Like Sorry, the French. Yeah, Shanghai gets its ass handed to it. Yeah. Sorry, China. Like it's just yeah, everything it, it, to do know, And the... one thing that Michael Bay doesn't skimp on is uh taking the most broadly known cultural identity of these countries and shooting it in slow motion to let us know what we'll be losing <laughs> if, so... if this meteor hits. <laughs> that part where the kids are running around with spaceships and past the mural of John F. Kennedy it's like what? <laughs> like it's so it's like this is from like what is this from like 1963? Like what is happening? What is happening in this so what it is discovered basically is that they have to drill a hole in this land on the meteor, drill a hole in the meteor, plant a nuclear bomb in the meteor, and get off of it in 18 days. Mm. So the question is can astronauts do this? Hell no, they can't. No, no, Hold no. On. We need to find the best driller, the best hole man. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta find some whole men. <laughs> we gotta find some whole men in the world. <laughs> and this leads us to our main drama, in which a group of roughneck against the grain, against the you know, kind of like off the beaten path crew yeah. of guys. A bunch of guys that hang out with Tim Allen from Home Improvement, perhaps. Yeah. Um <laughs> have to be flown into space, drill a hole, and get off. In this short period of time and save the world. Holy cow, what a concept. Let's see it. How does it play out? <laughs> well, it goes a little something like and this. And it goes a little something like this. The head of NASA is Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> he rules. Who rules? Playing the role of Dan Dan Truman. <laughs> like, so crazy. Billy Bob is a perfect man. Except mm-hmm. he's got a brace. Unex- what, what does the brace do? Who knows? But he's got a mm-hmm. brace on his foot, which has prevented him the one dream. He's accomplished so much. He's a great guy. He knows everything. He's super fucking smart. He listens to women. 
Yes, Cameron oh Poe-esque. There is yeah. a moment where, like, I half expected Liv Tyler's character to just be like, okay, you know, spoilers if you haven't seen Armageddon, but, like, I have expected Liv Tyler just to go up to Billy Bob Thornton after Bruce Willis died and go, you're my dad now. There, yeah, there, yeah, like, would you like to adopt me and be part of our family and come to our wedding? Yes, I do want to come to the wedding. Yes, yes, on all counts. Yes. You can be my large daughter. Yeah, yes. sure. Yeah. <laughs> But he can't go to space because of this. But otherwise, like, man, History he would be in space in a damn heartbeat. Mm-hmm. He comes up with the plan with his number two guy, the smartest guy in the world, played by last week's Jason Isaac. Oh, he's back. He's back. He's got hair this time. You might not have recognized him, but he's back. He's also in this movie called Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris that came out this past year about a lady who goes to Paris to buy a dress. Oh, wow. And he is our reference point for who Jason Isaac is. That is the character now. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's the guy who courts Mrs. Harris. And Mrs. <laughs> Harris goes to Paris, of course. <laughs> oh, man, he, he's Mr. Mrs. Harris. Uh, head of the military, played by the god, Keith David, in oh, the mix man. in this one. So he's good. like... Boy, he makes you feel good whenever he shows up. He and rolls. they're like, oh, also should be noted, like looking up in the telescope and getting interrupted by it who discovers all this. His wife, Dottie, is played by Grace Zabriskie, plain silent from Drop Zone. It's so crazy how many actors are in this movie. How many the actors? guy, when Eddie Murphy looks at the TV oh. screen and someone tells him to Eddie pipe Griffin. down. No, no, the guy next to yeah, when Eddie Griffin tells oh, when yeah. Eddie Griffin goes and watches the TV, someone tells him to pipe down. You only see the back of his head. It's Mark Boone Jr. Oh, yeah. Like he's like in it for like two seconds. It's the crazy. Is, the bench is beyond deep in this movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we should note too, we are presented Earth and science in a narration that sounds and with a flute tinge score that sounds distinctly Titanic, yes. This time around, though, giving us narration? It's Charlton Heston. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. It's what he says about, like, Earth. Earth. The primary planet. You know, and, oh, he tells us about, like, a million years ago when the dinosaurs getting eliminated. It could happen again. Oh, no, it's gonna happen again. (laughs) Oh, Oh, no! Oh, no! Um, So NASA's, like, the only way we could do it, we got through all the plans. There is no backup plan. <laughs> you know, there is no option B. Whatever. <laughs> it is to do this planted it. Who is the best drill on Earth? Probably cue that dun, 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 sweet home Alabama or whatever. <laughs> I think it's oh, sweet motion yeah. this time around or something, but it's like something dumb. It's like either Leonard Skinner or Aerosmith. Yeah, cue the classic rock. We're we're on an oil rig. We're vibing. We're vibing. And Bruce Willis is firing golf balls at Greenpeace, which not cool. <laughs> like, not, not great. Willis. It's like, Willis. Oh, this, it's, oh, it's like, oh, this movie's so fucking right wing. Uh, well, you well, you also, you know that Bruce Willis is the type of guy who would like, uh, like loudly, like, give you shit for like having a tofu burger yeah yeah that's a like the entire like another yeah it's it's right down the middle to play with this kind of thing like what the hell is that eat some real meat what are you a girl or you know or something yeah like yeah i'm on a seafood diet i eat fucking meat yeah i eat (laughs) fun 
Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it, uh, it, like you, you did text me like every member of Bruce Willis's crew was at January sixth who survived yes, this movie. They did. Oh, for sure. Rockhounds in prison. Like he's probably probably for other reasons. Gulp. We'll talk about it. So let's get to some of the guys on the oil rig. Uh, let's start off with Chick Chapel. Ah, Chick Chapel, played by the excellent unstoppable character actor will Patton. it's so he who, rules who never misses brings I love that he, every he's time like, out I, lo- I love that he's like kelly reichardt's muse like he's like always gets a really fun it's great in part. minari like he's always good in every movie um and he plays a pivotal role in a crew of guys movie which is the guy who is of similar age to your leading character and can kind of lean on them in a more peer aspect rather than a leader older fa- older brother father figure that you are to the rest of the guys yeah on the team key pivotal guy on the team but he's got problems too his wife won't talk to him his son no. does not even know he's like and it's kind of unclear I think it's just general dude behavior caused Chick to be estranged from his family, but he yeah, was. They find him at like a craps table, so it's not yeah. like there's a lot going on with Chick. I'm like, yeah, I want more Chick. We need yeah. to know more about Chick. There's no time, but we would love to know more about him. Also on the team, the excellent, also excellently named Oscar Choice played oh, in, choice. An, in an early role by Owen Wilson, who is. I love that Owen Wilson, even in Bottle Rock, like in Bottle Rocket onward, came out of the womb as Owen Wilson. He's fully formed. He is a yeah. hundred. There's yeah. no baby steps to becoming Owen Wilson. Like uh, he, he like put him on the mound and how do you know right from here? Like, yeah, he's 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 been the same guy for like 40 years in the rules. Like he's mm-hmm. so he's genuinely like um, and you can just tell too. it feels like all his lines are ad libbed and it's just him having weird it, fun. It, and his job is to be the fun, wisecracking best bud to another lead that we will get to in a moment because I want to save the best for last yeah. when I get to this character. Next up, Bear Curleen. Played by <laughs> Michael Clark Duncan. He's great. His job is to be big. Like, I love Bear. I love him his too. character rules. It is ah, what a great it is. R.I.P. Michael Clark Duncan. What yeah. a great actor he was. Great actor. Oh my god. Uh, there's Ken Campbell plays Max Leonard. Oh, I love Max. Love weird. Max. And Ken Campbell, probably most known for this one episode of Seinfeld that he's he gets the name Seven suggested to him for his baby by George. And then they take it and he's pissed. George is pissed off. Seven Costanza. It's a smart name. Um it's not. Oh, he he tries. George tries to convince him to name his kid Soda. <laughs> uh, he's also the voice of. Uh, he's the titular. Ba- he's the voice of Baby Bob and Baby Bob. Yeah, he's guys he's had good. a career. He's yeah, he still works. He's great. Um, then there is the character simply known as Rockhound. Played by returning oh. favorite Steve Buscemi. He's back, folks. Whose job is to be skeezy. He's yeah. it, like a genius. Like, and I love that he's also like the smartest guy in every room he's in, but he's awful. Yeah. Like, he's a wild he's so, card character. He's a wild card character. Uh, I learned from him 
in this movie that there is a thing called space dementia. We'll get to it. It's important. Yeah. <laughs> Check off space dementia. Check off space dementia. His, and Rockhound is definitely clearly a more PG version of probably what they wished they could have called him. Which I will not say the word, but I think yeah. you probably know what I'm referring. What I what I mean. It's a you know antiquated yeah. gross terminal. Yeah, that only a... the fourteen year old mind of Michael Bay. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely just like and Michael Bay is more perverted fantasies. I do want to mention Michael Bay and some of his in the criticism. Bay responded to his critics by saying, I make movies for teenage boys. Oh dear, what a crime. <laughs> God. Thumbs up to you on that one, my man. Uh, he's, he's Good, just he sick response, it. bro. Sick response. He and got him. Also on board is the second most perfect man in the world. His only flaw, he's a little too young. He's a little too cocky. Mm. But is he awesome? Is he perfect? Is he actually the right choice to be the next Harry, uh, be the next Bruce Willis? Absolutely. It's the insanely named A.J. Frost, played by Ben Affleck. And there is drama on board. Bruce Willis's Harry Stamper, the greatest driller in the world, perhaps his only flaw. I care too much about my yeah. job. I'm too. I want to do it right. Too I'm much. Just... I love my goddamn daughter so much. Harry, too good of a father. Too good of a dad. Too good of a guy. Also, huge question here: What happened to their mom and his wife? Yes. <laughs> where are? Where is she? Who what? is she? Why is Liv Tyler being raised on weird oil, Derek? Is this the best situation to raise a daughter? I don't know. Liv Tyler is Grace Stamper, Harry's daughter, Chinese-speaking daughter who does business deals for him. Or is it Japanese? I think it's Japanese, pardon me. Uh, But regardless, she makes deals. She makes deals. So so Harry can do the man's work of drilling holes in the ocean. (laughs) And Drilling holes and him. making deals. Drilling holes, making deals. Guess what else she's up to? She's in love. Mm. Who's she in love with? AJ Frost, Ben Affleck. AJ Frost. AJ Frost. AJ Frost. <laughs> Signing autographs Saturday and Sunday. AJ Frost. <laughs> Come see him fight Shamrock in the Alamo Dome or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, AJ Frost is absolutely a professional wrestler name that Vince McMahon came up with. Oh, AJ Frost, that's a great name. <laughs> it's surprising that Frost and Tips. That would have that's of the air. I am too. He did have the um wraparound barbed wire tattoo on his bicep, which was absolutely of the era, which definitely oh, yeah. strikes me as like I love Ben Affleck so much. And one of the reasons I love him so much is that he has a perfect life, yet he is an imperfect man. Yeah. <laughs> and he's still very capable of dumb decisions, like dumb Boston guy decisions. Yeah, there are points. Uh, yeah, sometimes Gone Girl felt like a documentary a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it, this is the character he was born to play is this Gone Girl guy. That is his like in, in this. He is just like he's not there yet in this movie. No. Like if Owen Wilson came out of the womb, Owen Wilson, Ben Affleck still has to age into the yeah. guy we, we like today. Yeah, he hasn't found his way back. Pause for dramatic effect right there. So Bruce Willis hates it that Ben Affleck is sleeping with his daughter. So, and so speaking of cross cutting, they cross cut between Billy Bob and his team 
figuring out what to do with this stupid chase. Like, we're supposed to have got a shotgun. He's going to shoot Ben Affleck. So, and it goes poorly. He fires Ben Affleck. Get out of here. You can't stay, away, stay away from my daughter. And Bruce is like, the hell with you. You're done. Even though I know you're the best guy, actually. You're the best guy. You're probably the best guy for my daughter. Yeah. Meanwhile, the days are ticking. They bring in Bruce Willis. What am I doing here? I flew 72 hours. I, I'm digging a hole, baby. I got to get back to my hole. Yeah, I got to get to my hole work. He gets informed about it. Uh-oh, Bruce is on board. Mm. We got to do it. We got to be brave. They're going to space. Bruce and his team. <laughs> these fucking king of queens. King of queens best guys. friend extras. They get all these guys. They get all these demands. They go to a strip club and get arrested. The strip club is straight out of a Michael Bay Victoria's Secret commercial. It may have been B-roll footage for all we know from oh, one of sure. these commercials. Yeah. Michael Bay is like his safe place. <laughs> the set yeah. of a Victoria's Secret commercial. He's doing the fucking Harrison Ford and Force Awakens. I'm home. Like <laughs> Chewy, we're home. <laughs> <laughs> Chewy is like some guy from Miami Beach he met named Chewy. <laughs> anyway, oh anyway they have to get like on the spot NASA training. These guys aren't taking mm-hmm. it seriously. The NASA psychiatrist who needs to psychologically test him is played by Udo fucking Gear. It's so nuts. It's so yeah. good. I love it's so great. Yeah. Also, like, they're getting, like, all these, like, suppositories or, like, I don't know what is happening and why that's... But it's it's great because it's 14-year-old boy stuff. What's the funniest thing that could happen at the hospital? Butt stuff. Yeah, putting a thing up your dang butt. That's hilarious. (laughs) Also, at one point, Clark Duncan just strips Strips down and he's, like, naked and doing dance on the table and the guys are loving it. So insane. I love they're doing bits and we're having a great time, but all of the bits are the most juvenile bullshit in the world. It is. I'm this may be the stupidest blockbuster. And I say this with all the love in the world. I know. Not as not as a negative. This is one of the stupidest movies ever. made. It is like, yeah, this this movie got hit on the head with 50 coconuts and it's having a blast. (laughs) You said it. You're like, this is like Titanic. If James Cameron had a massive brain injury before he started shooting Titanic. (laughs) It's it's, it's injury cinema. It's It's pure cinema of the highest order. It's like it is like so when um, I was when I when I was in middle school. And we were kind of like interested in the world of drugs, but mm. had no idea about it. I snorted pixie sticks. Oh yeah, every every kid I have friends <laughs> that who is did that, that. Yeah, is that this movie? Is that is that entire like choice? It, like, is this movie? It, it, is it this is movie like... the? I'm gonna carve a bong out of an apple of movies. <laughs> God, it is that. It is a hundred percent like carving is... a bong. How many friends can we fit into my car <laughs> at 16 years old? I drive on the freeway. <laughs> it's just like smoking, smoking weed that's half celery leaves. Like, <laughs> yo, I swear to God, this oregano gets you high. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, all of that is like all of that attitude, and that like you got to hand to Michael Bay to find that the inner child. Yeah, but the inner child he's found is not like. 
the Spielberg inner child. Like, no. family. this is not a Fableman. The- <laughs> this is like, what can we get away with after school? Is what this movie uh, is. This is like, I had a friend who, like, once, like, him, he t- told me the story about him and his friends. They made, like, cat, uh, they learned that, like, people can get high from catnip, too. So they made yeah. catnip tea. This is like, this is like for those kids. This is for the people smoking behind the donut shop. This, this is, is like this wondering is if you could steal a candy bar at the mall kind oh of qualities God, yeah. to it. It's terrific. It does bring you back. It does bring it all oh, yeah. back. Home. If you, oh, man. If you didn't live that life, you're probably if you're like a homework nerd, this probably is not as a satisfying movie. To yeah, this is this will be. Yeah, this is a movie that may aggravate you. Speaking of homework nerds, we got to get some astronauts. We get some real astronauts to fly these things. Guess who the lead astronaut is? Colonel Willie Sharp. Another great name. Yes. Played oh, by man. another great guy, William Victor. We you loved him see... last week on Black Hawk Down. We love him this week. We loved him in Heat. <laughs> Vanzant. Vanzant. <laughs> he keeps winning. Who am I? Who am I talking to? I'm talking to it. There's because there's no. This line is dead. Because there's a dead man on this line. Oh no. Oh no. Oh, Give me Henry Rollins, my assistant. <laughs> I love movies in the 90s William Victor guys like him and Sizemore <laughs> like working non-stop Chris Ped yeah just yeah all the fun guys having fun the best guys having fun so it's a whirlwind trip William Victor and Keith David and the military guys are skeptical Mm-hmm. Of this mission. Yeah, as I would be. I you, you look at a you look at a guy like Chick or Max, and you're like, you guys are know. nice. I don't Rock know. Rockhound. Rockhound. We we learned actually quite correct to be skeptical of Rockhound. Yeah, <laughs> we we put our faith in Rockhound. <laughs> you know, the faith. I think that might be a line. Even we're putting the faith of the human rights in the hands of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> there is. Yeah, it's like yeah. It's, oh, you did say it's like it is. This is like the biggest budget most coherent episode of decker yes it is 110 percent. so like con air is mcgruber armageddon is decker that is the if the, the comedy parodies world yes yes, world, want... yes. <laughs> this is 100 percent. this is us this is decker cinema at its finest first this is a... you love the setup the and michael bay rings draw every aspect that he can ring out of mm-hmm. All of the sentimentality, all of the action. There's no nuance to be found in it's this so, movie. You try well, as you and, may. Try as you may. And it's so funny, like, the moments where, like, you'll have these scenes where, like, yeah, Rockhound will say something horny and weird or scary. Or, like, uh, Michael Clark Duncan's doing a weird dance. And then, like, it'll cut to, like, Billy Bob Thornton telling the whole world, <laughs> We are dead. We are going to die. <laughs> we are dead. But don't worry. Human exceptionality unifies us all. Like, and it's just like, it'll, it'll be like a, like a mosque and like, like the middle of like the Australian outback. And then cut back to like the horniest strip club scene. And then, Br- and then Bruce Willis goes, God, if you're out there, I could really use you right now. It's. <laughs> so weirdly these movies are like crazy uh religious it is interesting yeah yeah they all are and they're all like the most pro-america pro-god like jingoistic claptrap it's crazy and yet I don't question yeah. a moment of it while I'm watching it <laughs> no because you want to see these it's well it's also it is just like it's so fun to watch 
guys that shouldn't be going into space go into space. I know. Like, the mission is great, and all the guys they've hired for the job you want to watch. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. The guys are so, like, it's a fun squad. You want to hang out with these dudes. Yeah, I know. They got it in these movies with these guys. So before they go to space, uh, we get this weird animal cracker love scene set at, uh, like, the greatest sunset in the history of sunsets ever filmed. Yes. Like, it's gorgeous. Like, as the two beautiful, the Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler at their most young and beautiful are laying Man, around together yeah. set to the tones as his daughter is stooped one daughter is stooped and another daughter gets shoved yeah <laughs> aerosmith i uh don't want to miss a thing you know the song oh yeah don't want to miss it, thing. it scores this entire thing don't want to close my eyes we, remember we did we did we did a memor a completely memorable version of this about the song the film armageddon time just a few weeks ago on the show. <laughs> a classic moment in the history of the Academy Academy. <laughs> so they go to space. What I love it. They love it. They get separated. Mm. Two shuttles. Two teams. Mm. I love it. You get two teams. Ben Affleck is the driller lead on one team. He's got Owen Wilson. He's got Michael Clark Duncan. And he's got the other guy. Who's the other guy? Um, oh, uh, Noonan? Is it the Noonan? character... So Poor he's guy. like, I feel bad for Noonan because every other driller guy gets, gets oh no, he gets gets a thing and he gets like two lines. So I'm like yeah. immediately fascinated by him because like, he's like, what is this dude's thing? Like, yeah, it's like a wasted moment. Like he definitely feels like he could have been um, the Italian guy from the Bronx, the Edward yes. Burns in um, Saving Private Ryan character. That's like the like, one thing we're missing. That's the one thing we're missing is like the street guy. Like we're missing like a Nicholas Turturro type. Yeah, the used guys character, Danny Nucci from The Rock. Yes. Or and uh, and um, the Titanic. Of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was busy. She was shooting Titanic. That was what was going be, on. It'd be so great if there was like a nine, a, a turn of the century Italian guy. Which is all those guys. That yeah, we got to get that guy, the New York guy. Yeah, we, that's the guy who's missing. From yeah. the crew. Uh, we got every other type of guy. <laughs> For sure. So they're on one shuttle. And then Bruce Willis, Rockhound, Chick, uh, Victor, Max. Uh, Max, they're all on the other one. They go mm -hmm. up into space. Damn, this is hard. But it's scary. And he, Bay, like, kills it. Like, cross-cutting between the shuttle going up, the fear on the guy's face. I don't know. I'm, am, I, am I really scared? Am I excited? Owen Wilson? I love Owen Wilson. He's yeah, so good. Too. I love him too. <laughs> As they're going to space, we're cutting to Tibet. There, the monks are praying for us. <laughs> yes, everyone's praying <laughs> to the, the respective the French baguettes together. It's like so weirdly. It's like the vibes of like Tom Tomorrow World. Italy, they're like fresh and pasta. <laughs> yeah, them. America. Everyone's taking out their help burger. Their 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 they're help burgers. Yeah. Burgers and barbecue waving. <laughs> Raven American flags. Let's, are we gonna hit the jet skis? I don't know. We wanna get this in before this meteor hits. It could be the last time we ride jet skis. <laughs> so they go up to space immediately. It's hard as shit. Radios mm -hmm. are going out. They're getting wrong. They gotta shoot around the moon. So the plan. They get up to space. Okay, here's the plan. They gotta dock at the Russian space station to get some fuel. Which leads us to maybe my favorite character. I love this guy. Movie. We got a Russian cosmonaut who has been up there too long. 
But it turns out, guess what he is? A great guy. He <laughs> rules. Like, ultra competent, kind of weird, but a great guy <laughs> who gets it. Uh, this is Lev Andropov, played by P- the great Peter Stormare, who gives this movie the extra juice it needs to take it into the second portion of this movie, the space portion oh, yeah. of this movie. They meet up with him. This station's falling apart. We're in huge trouble. Ben Affleck is in some hole. It's this cold hole. Yes. I don't know why that coal's so cold. It's there's but a lot. It goes wrong almost immediately upon these ding dongs docking with the th- <laughs> damn thing. It blows up. Lev has to join them on the ship. They think they lost AJ. In one of the many times in this movie, the plot device is I think Ben Affleck is dead. Yeah. Also, there's a moment where, like, they're like, okay, we can go back, but we'll have to go into this place that's 100 below zero. So hold your breath, because your lungs will freeze. Cool. (laughs) I love it. I love love it, too. I love it. It doesn't care about being logical or making it. This is the most, like, fucking hat-on-hat movie ever. It is. It's 100 hats. This movie, your neck is breaking. Give me 1,000 hats. 1,000 hats. Thousand hats and and Michael Bay's shameless about it. He doesn't feel bad. Him and Jerry Bruckheimer don't feel bad about wearing all these hats. So they get saved. They got now. Lev is on board Ben Affleck's ship with the rest of those guys. They got to shoot around the moon. Oh yeah, and they got to go like a thousand miles an hour, so their faces are melting or something. It's crazy. Like they're all gonna throw up. It's and Buscemi's like, damn, I. <laughs> have I thrown up yet? I don't know if I've thrown up in the last ten minutes, even or something like that. Yeah, they all have their singers. They, they all, all got singers. All in Wilson's like, I don't know about this, guys. <laughs> Maybe I am Chewbacca. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Have you wow. seen? We've seen Star Wars. Well, man, <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. It's just he's Owen Wilson. He's yeah, he's just it. Owen Wilson. Yeah, you were right. He ad lived every single line that he does yeah. in this movie. We're good for him. They shoot around the moon, and then they start going through all this field of like the debris to get on the meteor. And this is what I leaned over to Jen. Like, this seems like it's going to be the hardest part. They didn't seem to yeah. talk too much about how they were going to land on this meteor. Yeah, not a lot of thought put into this. It was really hard. They talked a lot about like how hard it was going to be to shoot around the moon and how fast you were going to go. But like flying through to land in the exact spot you need to land to drill. This seems hard. Yeah, not like there's an airstrip on this meteorite. I know, like rock. You know, you get sw- if you get swamp thing to land on um, the Las Vegas Strip, that seemed easier. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's yeah. This is this movie. You're starting to strain credulity a bit. Oh God, this movie is not truthful in how things work. No, no. What, what the hell? That get somebody <laughs> called Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> I hate that shit. I hate that shit. When he like tweets out all of the explanations uh, why movies are wrong. Fuck off, man. He he might fuck. be nerd. Yeah, he, it's annoying. Yeah, he, he's an annoying man. He might be one yeah. of the most annoying people alive. We're, we're gonna give your ass a wedgie. For yep, to, Michael Bay's gonna lead the pack with us on that too. Speaking you know what, of bullies, Michael, you know what Michael Bay's contemplating in that Instagram photo. He's contemplating giving you a damn uh, slushy, dude. Yeah, he's contemplating how much more magic he's capable of, which is a lot. Yeah, like okay, so they bear, they don't make it. Mm. Ben Affleck's rocket. So oh, we should note the the, the, the independence and the freedom are the names of their rockets. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> Rock and roll, dudes. Um, uh, so the Independence, which is the one Ben Affleck is on, mm -hmm. ooh, doesn't make it. Gets blown up. The spacemen get sucked out, and then their bodies bounce against the other spaceship. It, oh, it is so. It is crazy. That scene is thoroughly enjoyable and ludicrous. They're screaming down at NASA. We get one of many shots of Liv Tyler somehow getting access to the main control room for all of this. That's my dad up there! <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Jen, Jen dug the TV like, why do they keep letting her in? It's because Billy Bob Thornton's a nice guy and we need her there for the emotional romantic connection. <laughs> the human connection, which is her entire, like, her job in this script needs mm -hmm. to go to that. But, so we think it all is lost. We think Ben is dead. But we know Ben's not dead. No, 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 no. He gets saved. He gets dropped down into a safe space by um, Lev, the ever mm. reliable, the ever like reliable and smart Lev. But unfortunately, losses, are, losses do occur. We lose Owen Wilson. Oh, you hate mm. to see it. I was convinced we lost Michael Clark Duncan until nope. He's buried. Nope. He's okay. Michael Clark Duncan survived. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure will of being big. Maybe. <laughs> He's just so big. There's a science reason for it, probably. Yeah, but they think they're dead. <laughs> Meanwhile, William Victor does land it, but he lands it in the wrong damn spot, and it's like iron. Oh, shit. We can't drill through this. So how do we know it? Because I'm a, I'm a genius. That's stupid. Yes. Shemmy. <laughs> and they start drilling anyway they're losing drill bits it's not looking good and mm. we get to our big plot point one of our big plot points Rockhound Steve Buscemi begins to just lose it <laughs> yeah he at a certain point he just decides to be crazy and we get my favorite <laughs> moment of the movie which shows what kind of pro William Victor is a zoom into a close onto William Victor who's staring at Steve Buscemi and William Victor simply goes He's got space dementia. <laughs> I can't even say what's his right face. That shows how good of an actor William Victor is. <laughs> like, and he sells it. He sells it like, and well, Jen, question led to Jen and I to pause, like pause, look at each other. I think I text you like space dementia. <laughs> well, it's like, I mean, I, I, dementia. Like, isn't that like something you get from just old age? Like, I but, don't. And it and it also turns out there's an option too. They're just gonna mm. blow the nuke. Right on board. William Victor's on board. Bruce Willis is like, hell no. He gets William Victor this like clamps on the neck, thing, mm. which and you know, all out brawl occurs. But Bruce Willis has to explain the only guy on the ground level who agrees is the second best man in the world, Billy Bob Thornton. We give us a shot. I'm the best drum. I have never screwed up a job. I'm the best guy <laughs> in the world. Oh my goodness. And then they find this cart. This the the drilling truck it still works in Ben Affleck's spaceship. Mm. They start driving, <laughs> yeah, the meteor. Ben and Lev and and uh, Michael Clark Duncan. They jump it. Oh, it's crazy! It is nuts. This entire mm -hmm. sequence where they're like jumping it. They almost like they drift off into space. They show up just in time because Harry's truck. Steve Buscemi. Starts firing a machine gun for no reason. Why, why is there a machine gun in space? Why did and, they bring this? Why did, yeah, good question, Patrick. Did, Excellent they, question. Did, did, did does, a machine gun, gonna... does a machine gun work in space? Another question. Yeah. 
<laughs> I do love. Oh my god, uh, I do love the line. So there's a line when um they're gonna do like the plan B, and mm-hmm. Will and Thickner pulls out a pistol, and Chick says, "Who brings a gun? You... Space? Yeah, who brings a gun? Space? Space? Who a gun like, space? Good like, call, Chick. Good call, yeah, Chick. Audience surrogate, Chick. <laughs> Chick's the most rational man in the crew. Yes, voice of reason. Voice of reason. So it, uh, this machine gun leads to a chain reaction, blows up the drill truck that these guys had, kills Max. R.I.P. Max. No, Max legitimately just turns into ash. There yeah. is a they, t- moment they, have to, where... they have to tie up Steve Buscemi to get him to stop doing bullshit. Yeah, they duct tape him. They brought a lot they of duct tape, tape to space. They it good, maybe, maybe worthwhile. Yeah, duct tape's maybe great. useful. Yeah. I love duct tape. And then Ben Affleck shows up, luckily, to save the day. They start drilling. Oh, my God, we're we're down to the wire. But they're making it through. And Ben Affleck has to, like, tell Harry. Because Ben Affleck's a guy who likes to, like, toe the line. Right. Like, what'll work. It'll work, Harry. Believe me. Yes. Fine. I believe you, son. Son. (laughs) My my son, Ben Affleck. Yeah. (laughs) They get through. They get to the 800 meters. Or 800 feet they have to get through. To drop the bomb. Mm. Oh my god, we're right at it. Oh, and they have to they have this like line that if the meteor crosses this line, mm-hmm. it's a point of no return line. So mm-hmm. we're we're aware of that. We're aware of how the timeline it's gonna take to get there. The movie has laid it out quite well for us, the rules of stopping this meteor, I would say. The rules yes. I'm comfortable in knowing them, which are important. You need to know. We need to know all these things so we can be in the shoes of our guys. Mm-hmm. But we have a huge problem. Mm. The nuclear bomb in Rockhound's insane. Insane <laughs> machine gun spree. Uh, the detonator in it, the, the manual, uh, non manual, um, remote detonator, mm-hmm. it's done, it's broken. Busted. Can't be fixed. So we get to what real what you all really remember from Armageddon. One person has to stay behind. Yeah. And this is where the waterworks start going. They gotta draw straws. And I love all of the dude bro love fests that happens here. I'm not drawing straws against my friends. But you have to, because you're brave. (laughs) <laughs> you know, basically, it's the logic. Yeah, <laughs> and they're not gonna. St- and Steve Buscemi rightfully is like, you probably should not let me draw straws here. I am not reliable at all. Yeah, I am not a good choice for this. <laughs> and so it's like, and Victor and his guys. He, oh, we should mention he's got um, what's her name? Um, Jessica Steen is the actress. Jessica Steen is Watts. Oh badass, yeah, the, the one lady in space. <laughs> Of the crew, but she's awesome. She does a great job. Oh, and poor Gruber, uh, Grayson McCouch. Oh yeah, R.I.P. Groups. <laughs> who's the last guy to accidentally get blasted with something? But unfortunately, because he's the only guy left who we do not know, he's easily <laughs> the one who's he's going to be the one who dies. Yes, like, he has to get out. Yeah, he's he's toast. You, you see sorry, you're the least. You are the least famous person left in this movie. We know how move the rules of movies. You're toast. You're cannon fodder. Sorry. Because William Victor has to fly him home. Mm. Michael Clark Duncan, Steve Buscemi, and, Ch- and Will Patton need to be our designated, like, 
supporting actor survivors. Yeah, they're just too fun <laughs> to destroy. Yeah, it's Peter Stormare was actually expendable, and I'm really happy he survives. Yes. I'm glad, Lev, because he consistently helps out. He's consistently good. Like, he he's is... an addition. Surprisingly, in such a right-wing movie, they let the Russian guy actually like, well, this be, is like, like, not, it, it... like, I'm surprised he's not, like, a subversive spy not trying to steal information or something like that. Oh, for sure. Well, I think it's, like, this movie, it, this is, like, such an end-of-history movie. Mm-hmm. I do think at this point, America was, like, yeah, we just we rule. We're the king of the world, so everyone's yeah. good. It everyone's was just... good. Yeah, we, yeah. That the the wall had fallen. This is pre nine eleven. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, everything is great. And the only thing that's imaginable is a natural disaster. That was why there were so many of these like nat or aliens. Yeah, Those were the only possible options for um you know any baddies, yeah. baddies, baddies, yeah, or like the surveillance state in its infancy. Before the surveillance state was decided was a good thing because of the war on terror. <laughs> or was it? Mm. Anyway, they draw straws. Fucking Ben Affleck loses. He's going to mm. be the one who stays behind. I'm like, oh, no. Back home, like, oh, no. Liv Tyler's crying. Billy Bob Thornton's like, I'm so sorry, but this has got to happen. They have to bring from the spaceship in this, like, cool elevator thing mm. the bomb down to plant it in the hole mm. they do it then for some reason well for some reason it's pl- it's plot and emotional manipulation reason is why this is this is the old there's no actual like the actual like human reason for this um <laughs> bruce willis goes down with ben affleck to be with him mm. in these final moments. But what happens is Bruce rips the air thing from the back of Ben's suit, tears off the NASA patch, hands it, says, give this to Billy Bob, sends Ben Affleck back up. Bruce is making the sacrifice. Gets to the heart of the movie and gets us to my, my, to when I text you, I'm like, this is like the best performance of Bruce Willis's career. And you were back, you were, I was like 20 minutes ahead of you. Yeah. <laughs> and you were like, and you're like, I don't know. I don't know. But then you text me, like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it was, because yeah. it it's like, you know, up until that point, you're like, he's good. He's, part, it, he's, but like, like, he's the leader, but he's part of the team. Yeah. And by that moment, you're like, yeah, he's the leader. This is, He's a star. You get so you get does this, then he gets to do this monologue about live to live Tyler over the radio about like you should marry AJ. He's a good guy. <laughs> like I love you yeah. and I, I'm so proud to have been your dad. We're crying. Billy Bob's crying. Everyone's crying. Everyone. <laughs> Everyone is crying. Rockhand is crying. Rockhand is crying. They get off. They're flying away. But then like the it's getting rockier, rockier. Bruce falls in a hole. He loses the thing. He has to bravely climb out. William Victor's like, he's not going to make it. And Chick is like, give our man five more minutes, ten more minutes or whatever. <laughs> like, give him give him five. He's going to do it. Bruce does it. Mm-hmm. Saves the fucking world with yeah. his self, with his glorious only the greatest man in the world could self-sacrifice. <laughs> like, Apparently, yeah. Tearing up. We feel yep. it all. They get back to Earth. Victor flies us in, and then we just get fucking hammered with sentimentality for five minutes straight. It's so crazy. Asteroid, apparently... Stop sentimentality. Yeah. 
Like it's awesome. <laughs> it, it's everyone awesome. like chick reunites with his like you know estranged wife ex-wife oh you should know too it's like season of mom that's dad and she's like oh my god my loser husband's a hero <laughs> yeah my my gambling addict yeah. husband my garbage husband is a hero <laughs> is that that salesman no son no oh that's it is that that salesman no that's your father <laughs> <laughs> i don't have to be ashamed of him anymore he, yeah he's actually awesome he's terrific for like all of these guys are going to end up on celebrity rehab. Every single one of them, by the way. Yes. Like, oh, or it sure. helped let me out of here. I'm like every show possible that there's a celebrity edition. Yeah. Like Rock Hound is going to be on, or Chick oh, is going to be on. 100%. Question. Yeah. Yeah. Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. They're all. I, I guarantee to William Victor uh, launched a failed campaign for Republican governor of Arkansas. One hundred percent under any, and he was endorsed by Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, see, Fickner, he was uh, guested on Celebrity Apprentice, and they really hit it off. They really hit it off. They're like, yeah. I like your style, big guy. <laughs> like him, they, he, they, you know, him and Meatloaf, and they all just hang out together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like Brett Michaels from Poison. <laughs> yes, Brett Michaels. Who else was on uh, Gary Busey? Yeah. They're all Gary just yeah, You know, it's but they're. These guys are all on that circuit, the survivors. So in like short succession, they land. It's in slow motion, like Liv Tyler's running down the 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 tarmac, and she and Ben Affleck hug each other. They are quickly interrupted by William Victor, who had the most drama with Bruce Willis. Go, I just want to shake the hand of the daughter of the bravest man I've ever met. <laughs> Tears are flowing. It's so fucking stupid and cheesy. But <laughs> Will Patton reunites with his I'm your dad now. Like, like yeah. Rockhead reunites with the um, stripper and he wants to have babies together. <laughs> and then we get the moment that makes me cry the most when Ben Affleck hands the patch to Billy Bob Thornton. You're like, you're you're just as much of a goddamn hero as any of us, says Billy Bob. The airplanes fly overhead. And Jen told me this because her parents were military. The one flying off symbolizes the lost and that's oh. a, another sentimental hammer on the head wow. and she's like that works if you know the military that works like that like that got me a little bit and i was like fireworks are going off the world is saved america rules cut to the credits is it the end no no i don't oh want to close my eyes i don't want to fall asleep because i miss you baby and i don't want to miss a thing cue the aerosmith 16 millimeter camera. We're at Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler's wedding. Is every surviving cast member of the movie there? Absolutely. Do yes. they have huge portraits of everybody who died at the front and center of the fucking wedding? Absolutely, they do. There's Owen Wilson. There's Bruce Willis. <laughs> yes. There's some of the. the there's some of the. Uh, there's Max. There's Max. Yeah, and everyone's at the wedding. William Victor's at the wedding. Steve Buscemi's at the wedding. Like Steve Billy Bob is at the wedding. Steve Buscemi's bookie is at the wedding. <laughs> yeah, it's like crazy. <laughs> What's he doing there? Utterly insane. Fade to black. What a picture. Uh, what a movie. I. It's exhausting. This movie is totally exhausting. I couldn't sleep afterwards, though. We we laid in bed talking about plot points. 
Hounds. Like we we're both like, well, what is the deal with this? Why? Why was Rockhound like indicted? Because <laughs> Rockhound, his stupid like space dementia, led directly to the death of Bruce Willis having to even make that choice. Oh my god! Like. <laughs> But I, he probably got off. He probably got a good lawyer. It's like space dementia. You know how it is. And the judge, the judge was the same one that like set Cameron Poe to the slammer. It's like, yeah, I buy it. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Why not? Why not? Yeah, you're out, Steve. I go, go and oh, and Steve Buscemi definitely like blew through his money in a very too Leslie kind of way. <laughs> yeah, he too Leslie. He yeah, definitely too he definitely Leslie. too Leslie. <laughs> yeah, and he also got all of his friends in the academy to post Instagram. About how good of a guy he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Love, love that uh, episode of Mark Marin when Rockhound was interviewed. <laughs> Rockhound, who are your guys? Well, you know who my guys are. You saw him again. <laughs> yeah, Chick Bear, Chick Oscar. Bear, Oscar, AJ, <laughs> Harry, <laughs> Noonan. Who could forget Noonan? Lev, I mean, all the guys. Lev, Lev Andropov. I know every character's name in Armageddon now. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, it is a wild movie. I thought I like I said I hated it when it came out, and but not many other people hated it. It was released July first, nineteen ninety eight, opening weekend gross over the five day weekend fifty four million dollars. Wow, two hundred and one point six million in the U S. and Canada, three hundred and fifty two point one million in other territories, for a grand total of five. Hundred and fifty-three million, nineteen ninety-eight dollars. Damn, making it the highest-grossing film in nineteen ninety-eight worldwide, and the second-highest-grossing film in the United States, finishing just behind *Saving Private Ryan*, was the number that... one movie in the U.S. that year. Really interesting, that, right? That is yeah. interesting, man. That's never gonna happen again. Never gonna happen again. No, Spielberg had the magic touch. Like he Man, really did. That is crazy. That Saving Private Ryan was the highest grossing and fascinating. Um, Armageddon received mostly mixed reviews. Thirty-seven percent mm-hmm. on Rotten Tomatoes. Critical consensus states lovely to look at, but about as intelligent as the asteroid that serves as the movie's antagonist. Yeah. Armageddon slickly sums up the cinematic legacies of producer Jerry Bruckheimer and director Michael Bay. This is their king shit top of the mountain movie. I Mm -hmm. really think it is. This is like they were most in the public eye. This was their biggest hit. They, They were... Uh, this this movie is on the list of Roger Ebert's most hated films. I kind of love that. In his original review, he stated, the movie is an assault on the eyes, the ears, the brain, common sense, <laughs> and human desire to be entertained. <laughs> Damn. You know what? It's, look, I love this movie. It's fine to poke a little fun at this. Film. I'll let Roger yeah. have it. He uh, Cisco gave a thumbs up. Commenting yeah, there we on go. the noise and intensity of the film, but also stated that he found the film to be amusing. Cisco, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ebert went on to name Armageddon the worst film of 1998, although he was originally considering the Spice Girls film Spice World. Hey, that's a that's speaking of meatloaf, uh, career Todd, defining performance. 
Todd McCarthy of Variety also gave the film a negative review, noting Michael Bay's rapid cutting style. Much of the confusion, as well as the lack of dramatic rhythm or character development, directly results from Bay's cutting style, which resembles a machine gun stuck in the firing position for two and a half hours. Ugh. Um, Michael Bay was quoted in 2013 saying... We had to do the whole movie in 16 weeks. It was a massive undertaking. Not that that was not fair to the movie. I would redo the entire third act if I could. But the studio literally took the movie away from us. It was terrible. My visual effects supervisor had a nervous breakdown. So I had to be in charge of that. I called James Cameron and asked, what do you do? What do you do when you're doing the all the effects yourself? But the movie did fine. Which does lead us to believe that this is Titanic with a head injury. Yeah. 100 percent well it's just um, like yeah it's titanic with the carbon monoxide poisoning like there's a gas leak in the house and you're directing titanic but no one really cared this movie's legacy as kind of the bombastic movie mm-hmm. of its era was solidified of course upon its indictment indictment <laughs> into the criterion collection <laughs> See um, indictment. which uh, that markets what it considers to be important classic and contemporary films and cinema at its finest. This became a punchline for decades. Oh, Armageddon yeah. was in the Criterion Collection, but it is an important movie. It is an important contemporary film. It sums up what was happening in movies in the late 90s and what yeah. could have been successful in movies in the late 90s it takes all of the lessons learned from a truly unique tourist work like titanic and bundles them up into a bunch of bullshit to be sold to the hamburger hordes of some <laughs> hamburger hordes of kids on summer break <laughs> hordes <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is that is an ad description in the essay Gene Bassinger, who taught Michael Bay at Wesleyan, mind you, states mm-hmm. that the film is a work of art by a cutting-edge artist who is a master of movement, light, color, and space, and also of chaos, razzle-dazzle, and explosion. She sees it as a celebration of working men. These fil- this film makes the ordinary men noble, lifting their efforts up into an epic event. Further, she states that in a few moments of the film, all of the main characters are well established and saying, if that isn't screenwriting, I don't know what is. <laughs> this is a definite um, contrarian attitude, but easily um, agreeable yeah. in her points, well, too. And you know what? Here's the thing, too, man. Criterion, uh, where's the Armageddon Blu-ray? Cowards, Give come us on. that 4K Blu-ray, baby. We want to see it. Release yeah. it. It I also hear... should be noted it has one of the all-time classic audio commentaries in which a buzzed Ben Affleck roasts the movie nonstop all the way through. As it should. Wonderful. As I love it, it should. Bravo to Michael Bay. Bravo to Ben Affleck. Bravo to Bruce Willis. Bravo to Jerry Bruckheimer. You are in firm con- and complete control of the cinema world by the time 1998 ends. You are an unstoppable force. You have escaped the shadow of your near-to-well colleague <laughs> and are firmly implanted for many hits to come. And mm-hmm. will, we be, will we be covering those hits to come? You better believe it. Oh, yeah. But he survived all of the drama 
of Don Simpson found a new collaborator in Madman Vulgar Tour, Michael Bay, who seems to be Don Simpson without any of the crippling insecurities and crippling drug addiction. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think Michael Bay is a more perfect version of what? He's, yeah. he's Don Simpson 2.0. And I defy anyone who wants to make films or any director out there, try and make a movie like Michael Bay makes a movie. This is hard. <laughs> Good luck. There's, there's a lot going to... He is juggling he's, so many balls. He is might not be talented in the ways of human interaction, soulfulness, mm. artistic subtly, artistic subtly, <laughs> but he's a massive field general and talent when it comes to putting together a clang clang action movie. Mm. So, you know, we all are given our gifts and Michael Bay has recognized exactly what his gifts are. He understands spectacle. Yep. He understands as does Jerry Bruckheimer. Mm-hmm. We recommend both of them. They're both available to rent, like we said at the top of the episode. Revisit them, you know. And if you think we're totally full of shit, and Armageddon is the nadir of popular culture and, and artistic society <laughs> and cinema, and remain and should remain in the cinematic garbage dump that it, Roger Ebert demanded it be sent to, mm-hmm. send us an email at the Academy yeah. Academy Podcast at gmail dot com or reach out to us at Twitter at the Academy. We're in a slow time on Twitter. We try our best, then we get tired of it. I'm sorry. We just yeah. don't like it. Like, yeah, it's not fun. I don't like that website. Sucks. It's Yeah, it's a bummer, the entire <laughs> thing. Yeah, but if you found us on there, thank you. We're happy to have you on board with the show. Yes. Next week on the show, we look at the other side of things. As we start... The David Fincher side series. You want it darker, the David Fincher story, with his second picture, Seven. And I am excited for this. I'm excited to dive in and talk David Fincher. He's a filmmaker I do know quite well. So I haven't, hopefully... I haven't watched Seven since my freshman year of college. I'm really excited. It's excellent. This is a once a year kind of movie for me. Hell yeah. Definitely. Uh, it's currently on HBO Max. Or and obviously in all physical media, this one has never really been unavailable. It's a pretty, <laughs> it's a classic of its style. And I, what I was thinking about too is like we've met, we've referenced it so many times because of how many of the films we've watched have aped it. Mm. So it's nice to get to the source of what they were aping. Yeah, you know. So I'm excited because like we without seven, we have no the fan, and where would we be in this it's world true. without the fan? Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, who knows? I think, but I think a lot of um, a lot of the filmmakers we've covered saw Seven, and were mm-hmm. really impressed with Seven, and rightfully so. Yeah. So we'll get into kind of the background on it, the making of it, David Fincher, where he was at, because we're obviously go back and listen to our Alien Three Lance Hendrickson episode to get the early years of David Fincher and the struggles of David Fincher on Alien Three to get that background because we're not recovering it baby we're starting at the end of alien three next week and we're going to talk seven uh the week after that get ready we're finally there tony scott's domino is our next film after that oh my goodness i am thrilled currently on the people streaming service tubi Ooh, thank you tubi thank you tubi 
We're excited to cover that. I, I've never seen it, and I'm dying to see it. Because this, by all accounts, is the most psychedelic. Like, coming off of Beat the Devil, this is the craziest Tony movie. I've, it's so funny, because I do remember like being intrigued by the trailers. I feel like a lot of people... like this. I feel like this movie was critically panned when it was released, but then it's recently yeah. had a critical reevaluation. So I'm, I'm really film, excited. Film, t- film Twitter is... This is a like they've taken a stand with this film, so oh, I'm yeah. excited to get into it. I'm excited to go into the background details. This is a crazy story. Um, Richard Kelly wrote the script. Donnie Darko's Richard Kelly wrote the script. There's a lot, lot to get into with this. Wow! One. But very fun app, very fun week. Two absolute classics of their form. Two bangers. Two bangers. Check them out. It's a good time. So on that note, I think the only thing to say is uh, for Patrick, I'm Don. Mm-hmm. We'll see you next week. And Sai? Anara! <laughs> what kind of life would that be? Oh, now I need you in my arms, need you to hold You're my world, my heart, my soul If you